Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the What's On Your Mind podcast. So, I don't know if you're familiar, but when I first did an interview, you were my first guest. Like, you were, like, it was Tell Me What's On Your Mind, episode one, featuring Jada Vassar. So, welcome back to the show. Really appreciative to have you back on, especially for this new season. And you're also going to be the first interview for our uh, for my second season. So, Period. as you should. As I should be, okay? Again, I appreciate you for being back here. And real quick, bro, off camera, before we started recording, promise we was just rolling. Like, I was on the floor <laughs> laughing, bro. Like... <laughs> Like I told her, we got like just a thirty minute segment of just laughter. <laughs> but no, how you feeling? I feel good, man. Did some homework today, mm. so kind of tired, but I'm good. Definitely understand. But I'm a bit tired too. You know, I, actually, I kind of took a me day today. Like I did not go to either of my classes. I just went to work. You know, sometimes you need to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I just I feel like the segment of going to class every day. I feel like that's a lie. I feel like nobody goes to class every day. And if you do and you're like that one person out there, like, I've never missed a class. You good? Like, <laughs> no. Did you go because you wanted to? Or. Those probably are doctors, though, so. Right. Hey, props to y'all. Me personally, I'm going to miss a day. Like, uh, when you determine, I mean, PhD or mental health or somewhat good mental health, I mean, you know, depends on your morals. I'm going to miss a day. Depends on what you want. I'm going to get the degree. I'm going to miss a day. Yeah, I'm going to miss a few days. I'm going to miss a few weeks. <laughs> I'm going to get the degree somehow. It's going to be in my head. Trust. Trust. Speaking of uh, mental health, if we can kind of go in right into this where we're talking about off camera. I don't know. I don't know if you feel old yet. I already felt old once I start seeing people that like little cousins in high school and juniors going yeah. to prom. But somebody turns 20 next month. Oh. <laughs> that would be me. So you old, oh, first off. Bro. I'm you a- and Janae. Bro. Right. Shout out Janae. <laughs> Yeah, uh... Matter of fact, before you go into that, let can we announce that you're a twin? Like, people just don't know that y'all are twins, bro. People don't... Okay, let's talk about it. Because I didn't know that many people at State News just did not know. One, that I had a sister. But two, that I was a twin. I feel like it was. I feel like it was the first thing I told people. Like, hey, my name is Jada. I got a twin. You want to see her? Like, I feel like that was my introduction. But walking in, they were like, you have a sister? I'm like, yeah, I have a sister. First of all, you got two. You got like... Th- don't you got three? Yeah, sisters. <laughs> How did I, how did y'all not know this? Especially Janae. Like I talk about her. When I say sister, I'm talking about Janae. So I was walking in like, dang, my bad, Janae. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Like that was I'm like, yeah, you know, this is my because I um for obviously people who don't work at the state news listen to this. My girlfriend Janae, her twin sister, we um showed her the office for the first time. And then I was introducing her to people like, hey, this is my girlfriend Janae, who also just happens to be Jada's twin sister. They're like, they just made y'all can't see the face now, but they like you know, that makes sense. Yeah, that like, makes sense. Y'all looking like a little bit, and I'm like, I never told y'all I had a twin sister. They're like, no. I was like, did I tell you y'all forgot, or did I just never told you? Like, of course, like my closer friends that I talk to every day, they're new, and they're like, oh, hey, Janae. But everybody else was like, you have a sister? Like, you have siblings? I'm like, yeah, I got a bunch of siblings. Like, that is crazy. But no, y'all both turned 20, and specifically you, you turned 20, mm-hmm. and we were having a discussion on just how you feel exiting your teenage years because for me i'm gonna have my own uh mental i don't even know what to call it breakdown or just realization when on my birthday the following month but just you were going into how you feel and just with exiting your teenage years and starting this new chapter of your life how do you feel 
you're going to tackle it? Like, how do you, what do you have? What are your expectations and just what are your overall feelings about it in general? I, first of all, shout out to everybody born on the 14th, where everyone, shout out May 14th. Shout out to Janae, April 14th. Shout out to my older sister, Marissa, March 14th. Okay, okay. The 14th, it's just that day. You know, it's that guy. You know what I mean? But And girl and and non-gender conforming. It's whatever you You're not about to get me canceled, bro. Come on. You done forgot the whole question after that. <laughs> Just exiting your teenage years. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I'm on the wrong track now. My bad. All right. All right. <laughs> um, uh, as you can tell, I'm very excited. I'm excited to enter a new phase of my life. I feel like 19 has given me a lot of beautiful things that I can't wait to explore deeper when I get into my 20s and when I get into my real stages of being an adult, real stage of living on my own, real stages of making important decisions I'd already started making that'll shape the future that I'll have when I become 20 and into my 20s when I graduate college. So I'm very excited to see everything that I'll be doing and continuing to do. And I am very happy to say goodbye to my teenage years. They are years that were hard and I cannot 100% say that I'll miss them. I'll miss some moments in them because I won't say that all of my teenage years were bad. I had a lot of good moments in my teenage years um there was a lot of happy times with the friends I had in high school and coming to college we had some great memories but going into 20 I want to continue to be in the best version that I can and continue to seek the happiness that I I'm just now finding while being 19 happiness I didn't have when I was 14 uh, a mindset that I couldn't see imaginable when I was even 16 so I'm very very blessed to make it to 19 and I'm very blessed to be making it to 20 because there was a day in my life that I didn't think I would see this and my judgment was too cloudy to ever see a time that I'd be happy to be alive and I'd be happy to continue to age and to grow and to become myself and I can't wait to see who she is and who she is out in the real world because it's gonna be a force let me tell y'all out in this world I have big plans that I want to do with my life and I'm not stopping until I do them but I'm very blessed to be able to, to be in a mind space where I can say that because when I was younger I I would give you the, like, it was really, I couldn't give you any substance as to what I wanted to do. It was overcome with, well, if I make it to that, then I'd want to do this. Now I'm saying, I'm going to do this, and you're going to have to watch out, because when I do this, I'm coming with X, Y, and Z. So I'm very, very excited to make it to 20. I can't wait. Definitely understandable. And you also, off camera, when we were talking, you referenced the conversation you had with your mom about this. Just could you go into more detail about that conversation and also just... Why specifically would you not miss your teenage years? <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to you, Ma. I know she do watch some of your episodes and, you know, she commented on them. So she's definitely a big supporter of this podcast. So watch out. Hey, Ma, if you're listening. And I will say it's not just my mom who kind of brings the conversation. I feel like it's people around her age or old, like the old people in your family. When I bring up the conversation of, oh, my God, I can't wait to be 20. It's, you know, slow down, enjoy your teenage years, enjoy the young years that you have. Because when you get to our age, you're not going to know what to do. You're going to be like, dang, I wish I could go back to those years. And I didn't really get too deep into the conversation because I guess I just, I, it wasn't the right space to really say all of this right here. And it wasn't the right space to just be like, well, I don't really want to miss them because X, Y, and Z. So I was like, you know what? Okay, ma, you know, we'll move on to something else. 
But tailoring into that conversation, I won't miss my teenage years because they were really sad, especially my early teens, like 13, 14, and 15. They were moments where the happiness, where the sadness outshined the happiness. And like I said, I had a lot of beautiful moments and happy times in my teenage years, a lot of life-changing moments, but the accounts to where my depression hit the hardest and I realized what truly anxiety was and how hard it could hit a person was very, very, it was, it was, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to come through. And I, I can't say I'll miss it because you couldn't pay me to go back to those times. And most of them happened while I was in high school. So you're a freshman, you'd be like 14, 50. Then I graduated when I was 18. So that whole chunk of time, it was just really sad. Even with everything that I went through and all the accomplishments I got in school, all the friends that I had and all the people I talked to and everybody had me at such high standards of how they saw me, I was just sad. And I was going through a lot personally that sometimes it just overtook me as a person. And there are moments where I felt like I couldn't, I just wasn't me if I felt like a person just living. But I wasn't living for me. I was just I was living for the thought of others, which if you ever feel yourself living for someone else, then you're not living because now you have no reason to live. Like you can't find any reason to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be the best person I can because I want to do this. I couldn't find any reason for that, any strong reason. Like, yes, of course, I love my family dearly. And yes, I love the friends that I had there dearly. And yes, I love getting an education and I love shaping my future to do what I want to do. But when you get in those spaces where it's just you and your head, none of those things could pull me out of what I was thinking or what I was thinking to do. And it's some of the scariest times I've ever been in. So I, I can't say I'll miss my teenage years right now. Maybe when I get older and I completely heal, because I can't even say that I'm all the way healed from them too. There's a lot of triggers that I still have from my teenage years that kind of bring me back into those spaces. Not a hundred percent, but kind of almost into those spaces so I can't really say that I'll miss my teenage years maybe when I fully heal I'll say you know what I would go back maybe for a day but like right now you couldn't pay me like (laughs) high school you couldn't pay me to go back to high school no amount of money you could put me to go back to that place like (laughs) and that is one definitely understandable but like we were saying off camera when we were talking about this it's so insane to think about how young we were and how young we are and these emotions that we have like i've i was referencing to you a conversation i've had with older individuals a part of my family who have said like the classic like why are you why are you so upset you're so young and youngness has always been contributed to happiness for some reason when even the older individuals and older generation when they would repeat the things that they've had gone through like yeah you know <laughs> they do a refrigerator at me when i was younger but look at me now like i mean it's good that we always can persevere through these things but like it's genuine trauma and whether it was trauma in the 80s or trauma in the two, uh, early 2010s it still happened and it still can impact someone for a very long time and just the fact that most people, most older generations be like, yeah, I miss when I was a teenager and we're the complete opposite. Like, nah, I don't really, I'm not really looking forward to reminiscing on when I was getting bullied in high school or when I was getting bullied in middle school and it impacted me for high school or when I felt uncomfortable being in school in general or when it was an escape. It was just all those things that you can think about. It's like, yeah, there were good moments, but do they really compare to, like you said, the bad moments? And I have a question that I um, typed down while you were talking, but one, well, 
I don't know which one to ask first. Uh, matter of fact, I'll just ask what I wrote down. If you had a time machine and you could go back to... I wish I had a time machine. <laughs> Shout out Mooney Long, bro. <laughs> I told her. I told Jay she need to get in the studio. That's another conversation. Stop, but bro. can't get her in the studio for nothing, bro. <laughs> but if you had a time machine to go back to your younger self, let's say like 14, 15, what would you say to your younger self? And why would you say those things that you said? Oh, gosh. Oh, if I could go back to like 14, 15 year old me, little tall self year old me, who I just say it's okay to be by yourself. I feel like when mm. I was in high school, a lot of the things I went through was because I became dependent on other people because I didn't like myself and I didn't like being by myself. Because I just I just genuinely didn't like who I was. Not to say I was a bad person, but like I said, when you go through things like mental health, you get into these spaces to where you genuinely just do not like yourself. And sometimes there's nothing someone can say to make you like yourself. You just don't. So it took me finding people that I probably shouldn't have leaned so heavily on. And I won't say I regret it, but if I could go back and change anything, that would definitely be one of the few things I changed would I would change how dependent I became on other people. Because I became so dependent that it became unhealthy for them and for me. But at the time, I didn't know how unhealthy it would be. So fast forward, I grow up some more and we stop being friends. And I'm like, damn, you know, like, we're just like, it's just not what it used to be. So I definitely go back to her and I tell her, it's okay to be by yourself. You are your biggest enemy right now, but you're also going to be your biggest fan. Like, you just have to wait. And waiting is not my strong suit. Like, I th- I'm very patient at the base level. But if things just take a little too long, I, I, the impatientness just comes out of me. But I have to definitely go back to her and just be like, wait, your turn is coming. It may not happen when these people are having it. And quite frankly, it doesn't need to happen right now because you're not ready for it. If I got all the stuff I'm dealing with now, then I could not, I couldn't handle it. I can't say I handle it 100% now, but I handle it better than younger me ever could. So I definitely tell her that it's okay to be alone. If you're that one person sitting by yourself in school at lunch, that's okay. That doesn't make you weird. That doesn't make you an outcast. High school high school cliques and groups don't last. They're fake. They don't mean anything. And I feel like, to tailor back to what you said about being young, I feel like people don't, older people don't take into account that when you're young and when you're like becoming a teenager, the big problems like being bullied in school is all you can see because it's all you know. So, of course, we don't pay bills. Of course, we don't own houses. So that's what, okay, you can classify them as adult problems. That's all adults can see. Adults can multitask all the things that they have to do because they're adults. But when you're young and you get influenced into bullying specifically, it's all, it's all that encompasses you. It's all you can see. So we can't handle anything else because this one major issue is all that we can see. So when you get put into those spaces, of course, we wouldn't want to go back because we couldn't handle anything else because it's all we went through. So I definitely start to say that for that point. But yeah, I definitely tell younger me to learn to be by yourself because by being by yourself is okay. It's okay to be alone. I love being alone now. Even with all the good people that I have, all the family, it's nothing like being by yourself, really. And I'm and it helps you learn yourself and it helps you learn to love yourself. So it's okay to be alone. It's okay. You always, whether it's all shades of chocolate or being a guest on here, you always end up preaching, bro. bro. <laughs> like, whether it's something in the studio or 
I'm, Please with the studio. I'm, bro. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking, but as serious as I can be. Like you've said before that you don't feel you're well spoken. Like you're mm-hmm. extremely well spoken. And that. the fact like you don't stutter, you don't trip over your words, and you have a concise thought or a, um a clean thought throughout the whole thing and then the message behind everything you say is very impactful so i'm oh, go keep you. telling you you're a very good speaker and again get in the studio or like do something maybe else. one day right? always use your voice for good is every every time i joke about you doing something with your voice just continue to do what you do and you mentioned earlier about just that change and some of the things you would change if you had the opportunity and I just want to ask, if you had the choice, would you rather go back and change some of the things that happened during your teenage years? Or would you keep them since they led to you being who you are now? Would would you value what you could have, the mistakes you could have corrected to heal the trauma? Or would you value keeping the trauma and healing from it and adapting to who you want to be when you get older? Mm. I definitely feel like I wouldn't change. And I feel like this is the cliche answer. But I feel like the cliche answers are the good answers. It's the answers that people need to hear. I wouldn't change anything because I wouldn't have anything to talk about now. As far as the stories that I've written and as far as the things that I want to do in my career, I feel like if I went back and I tweaked changes that I made, the results that I have now wouldn't be as strong. And they wouldn't. I wouldn't love what I do as much because I changed so much stuff in the past. Like I feel like I wouldn't have met you for example or I feel like I would have met people in different scenarios that would have led to different results that wouldn't have been good for me now like yes I went through a lot then but the me now is stronger because of what I went through I wouldn't want to go through what I did now because I'm in college and I'm older and it adds layers to to it thankfully I'm thankfully and thankfully I was a little younger so a lot of the stuff I'm doing now I didn't have to juggle at all even though I felt like I was I didn't now I would have been juggling it all. And right now, no. <laughs> I'm very happy happy at the way I am now. So I definitely wouldn't change a thing. I like the way things played out. Uh, thank the Lord that they played out the way that he told me they would. And I always prayed that they would. And I'm finally at a point now where I am so trying to always surround myself with positive people, good intention people, prayerful people, um, being introduced to people that will be in my life for a long time. Uh, getting closer bonds with all of my siblings, my family, being in positive places to uplift them. And I always take, uh, I don't ever take for granted helping the older people in my family when they come to me with problems or they say, oh, Jada, you know, you're, you're grown now. What you do in this situation? Like, I don't take those instances for granted because one, you think I'm a wise person. Thank you. And two, you trust me enough to give me an issue without saying you're too young to understand. You know what I mean? Which I hate. I'm not too young to understand. Young people go through a lot. Just because I'm 19 and you 45 don't mean I don't understand what you're going through, bro. We got the same brain. You've just been on this earth longer than I have. So if you're trying to hinder me from making the same mistakes, don't. but don't say it like that. That's like undermining me. Don't do that. Yeah. Because I got, I got the same... I could have the same experience as you went through and I could help you better your life. Even at 45, your life's not over. Just ask me. So I never take that. uh, I never take that for granted. I never take my friends coming to me for granted. I know you come to me all the time and I never take helping and encouraging you for granted because it's what I like to do. I like seeing people happy. It makes me happy. I like helping people and learning that the things that I say have meaning and they can hit 
into people, which is why I write the way that I write, because I know even if I can't say it to you, if you read it and still feel the same, then I did my job. So, yeah. And that's very important. And one, I can want to say thank you for just being the person you are, not even just for me, just seeing how you interact with others. And like you've even joked like how like you make sure like all your friends are eating properly and just making sure that you can supply whatever you can for the people in your life. And I've told I was just actually recently telling Imani, who is a friend, hopefully we'll also have on the podcast when we get time. But I was just telling her uh earlier about you and janae and specifically talking about you just about me yeah yeah, it's about you or how similar we are and just i've never met someone who was so similar to me to the point where i can feel like they're a sibling and besides my own sibling i've even told my own sibling uh dejanae my older sister like telling her that she's genuinely like a sister to me like especially my mom too she's even uh we were talking about it and just being able to have you in my life and with the ways that you've helped me look at myself and view myself and just have a better mindset looking at a lot of things and just being the person you are. I want to thank you for that. And You're just the, welcome, Im- the impact you have on others, it, it's important. And you make a huge impact on just how people see you and how they interact with you and then how they go on their own lives. Like you, a piece of you always go with somebody. So oh. don't ever take that. Don't ever misunderstand that or forget that. And you were talking about um, just the experiences you've been through in general. And I want to ask, I was thinking about this when you were talking, you've had people in your life to where the experiences didn't always go as planned or just they didn't treat you the best. And with going into your 20s, how have you understood and thought about forgiveness? Just letting certain things go and even confronting certain things that may have been on your heart through these years how have you handled it how have you managed understanding what forgiveness truly is and what you've been able to let go to grow more as you and as you enter your 20s yeah i definitely feel like it took time for me to i guess truly understand what forgiveness is and what all forgiveness entails because i'm not a person now i'm not a person to hold a grudge i feel like holding grudges it takes more of your energy than theirs because say 10 years down the line, you got into it with somebody and you like, oh, I'll never forget what you did to me. But they're over there living their best and they're like, who are you again? Like, it's not worth the energy to hold a grudge over things. And it took me a while to learn that forgiving people, is, it's just it's just sometimes the easier option, honestly. That doesn't mean I'll forget what you did. And that doesn't mean that you can just always push over me because I always remember. And I feel like the things I went through, they helped me learn to what I will and won't accept in certain situations. Like the friendships that I have had that I don't have anymore, now coming into college, it helped me learn what I will and will not tolerate with people. Cause now you can ask Anthony, you can ask anybody I work with, you can ask my friends, that I am not somebody that you could shove and just say, oh, we gonna do this regardless. I'm gonna say, no, we not, we, we, that, that's not, we, we, we don't, we're not doing that today. That's not the type of party we're attending. You know, but I, I didn't have that voice before. And it took me learning that I needed to have this to do what I needed to do, especially being a black woman in the field that I want to go in. I can't go into this world without having some depth in my voice. I always joke about how deep my voice is, but sometimes it gets me the things that I need. So I'm like, you know, maybe I need to start looking at this as a positive thing because I'm getting the things that I want. Because 
like everybody obviously say, that I just start looking at myself more like this, that I can speak very well and I articulate what I want because at some point I couldn't and I didn't get the things that I want because I didn't tell them. And then I was comfortable. Why didn't you just say something? Because I couldn't. Now that I can, I'm using it to my best ability. And that also comes with using it to forgiving people. People have done me dirty. And I mean dirty. Just like people have done almost anybody in this world. Almost everybody has been done dirty. And, you know, I've been done dirty myself quite a few times that I shouldn't have allowed, but I did because I was vulnerable. And I felt like I could be vulnerable with those group of people, and I couldn't. So they did me wrong, and I was like, you know, a year or two later, I was like, is it really worth still being mad at these people for? Because thinking about them brought me so much anger. Like, I'm, every time I thought about their name, I was angry. But I was like, I'm making myself upset over things that happened to me two years ago. And if I went to them, they probably wouldn't even remember who I was. So is it really worth it anymore? And it really took me just breaking down what happened and just, you know, staying true to myself and saying, I forgive you. Because I feel like forgiving someone is one of the strongest things a person can do, especially the person that has been hurt can do. It's just forgiving the other party. Not saying we'll go back to how things were and not saying we're going to act like it never happened, but just forgiving them for you. Forgiving them is saying... We're going to go forward with this. I'm moving. This is beyond us. We're moving past this. Good day, sir. You know, like <laughs> forgiving and doing things like that. So now in college, like I said, going through those experiences, I know what I will and won't tolerate. And I won't I won't like change my viewpoints for anybody. And I won't come to a consensus with, oh, yeah, I'll knock this off. Well, let's know. It's either this way or I'm just not in it no more. Or I'm uh-huh. just not going to deal with you anymore. Uh-huh. And yeah, that may suck and that may come with some feelings. But at the end of the day, if it came to that point, I didn't need you anyway. If I ever had to come to a point where I'm like, mm, you could go. Or mm, this didn't need to happen. You you could see yourself out the door. Then I didn't need you in my life anyway. So, yeah. How do you view the phrase? So I started to use this phrase and i've heard this phrase from others but when people are into your, when people enter your life some people are a lesson and some people are a blessing do you always feel even those negatives can be looked at as blessings to mold the person you are yes <laughs> yes i actually kind of love that uh saying and i also love the saying that i learned um it was during a uh, service at my church when i went when I was part of the youth program before I graduated, it was a service where the youth pastor was up there and she was telling us about how some people come into your life and they're there for three different reasons. So you meet some people who will be in your life forever. They're, the, you're like, they're like your lifelong people or you meet like the one, like you're the one that you're going to marry. That's your lifelong person. Then you get some friends that are there for years. They're not there for a life, but they're there for years. They're, hell, they're there to get you through the hard times they experience with you to push you to meeting those lifelong people. And then you meet people that are there for only one season. And you can't understand why they're there for a season because they felt like they could be there for a long time. But that one season happened and then something ugly happens and you stop being friends with them. So I definitely agree with both of those. And I definitely agree that some people are blessings and lessons because the people that I've dealt with, they definitely, like I said, they definitely taught me about what I will and won't tolerate that I probably wouldn't have learned had I not dealt with those people and had I not went through what I did because it took me being upset and it took me crying and it took me asking, 
why did it happen to me? Because I'm such a good person. You know, people always tell me I'm such a good friend. I'm such a good person. I couldn't understand why people would turn on me. And I couldn't understand why people would victimize me as the bad guy and label me as the bad guy. And even in that sense, I had to take it well, like, okay, I'm just about to be the bad guy, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't fathom the idea of why I was such the issue, you know? And it took me like talking to my mom through the whole situation. I'm sure she remembers. And she's just like, well, Jada, some people aren't meant to be in your life forever. And I hated that when she said it, because I'm like, you're so right. Like some people are not meant to stay with you forever because that's not their place. And then you're going to meet those people that are supposed to be with you forever because they're supposed to. They're in, they're going to fall into their position of your life to stay with you forever. And it was really hard to learn that those people in high school that I met weren't, not all of them, some of them that I really went through it with weren't meant to be in my life forever. Because in high school, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to college. And even if we go to two separate colleges, we're going to stay in contact. We're going to meet all the time over the summer. Every break, we're going to see each other, this and this and that. So planning that and then hitting that point where we stopped being friends, it was like, well, what happened to everything we were just talking about? And granted, this happened over COVID, so nothing was in person. So doing it all over the phone, it was just messed up and mixed signals were everywhere. So it was like, okay, we're just done. But it's something I couldn't get over because it's like, I thought you, it was going to be you and me like this forever. Even in a friendship sense, I thought we were going to get to the point where we were going to be like family. And that never happened. But doing that, it's led me to being friends with people that I now consider my family being at college. But had I still had those people on me, I wouldn't have no room for, let's say, you. I wouldn't have no room for people like Shakira and the people I met at the State News, Samaya, Claire, L, all of those people. I would have had no room for you guys because I was still carrying on the baggage that these people gave me. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why they shouldn't have been in my life forever. Because at that time, they were my forever people let alone letting them go led me to my forever people. So, yes, I definitely agree with that quote in there. What would you say to the people who have been here or in your life for a long time? Because I know I've seen a couple of friends that I've met that you have been friends with since high school. They're going to obviously be with us when we celebrate you and Janae's birthday. And what would you say to them? What would you say to the individuals that have seen you grow for the past six years oh god what i can say y'all thank you for dealing with my shenanigans uh thank you for going through every tribulation every swing every uh just thank you like i couldn't thank some of those people enough that are that the friends that i still have from high school that are still there i couldn't just thank them for knowing who i was and knowing that i always gonna stay true to myself and them knowing actually the true me Because honestly, going through that moment with those other individuals, it kind of felt like everybody was against me. So I was like, okay, be prepared for when you come out of this. None of these people are going to be your friends no more. You're going to actually be alone. Coming out of it, I still had those same people with me. And it was like, you believe me? Like, you're not going with them? Because most of the time, everybody goes with the other party. So I'm like, okay. But they didn't. They stayed with me. They're like, no, we know you. That's not... The picture that they're painting of you was not you. We know the real you. We're never going to switch up on you. And I was like, oh, thank you. Even coming to college, all of us go to separate colleges. Some, um, One of my best friends, Josh, if you ever listen to these, what's up, bro? He goes to college all the way to Oklahoma. But every time he texts, it's like we never left each other, you know? So I thank him. I thank Jasmine. I thank Megan. I thank those three 
very deeply because they never left me. And it, it never, every time we see each other, it feels like we never left. I'm going to throw Sam in there, even though he ain't quit in my high school. What's good with you, Sam? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw you in there. Every time we see you, it's good vibes. And yeah, I just want to say thank you to all of them because had it not been for them, I wouldn't have had the true support system that I needed to get through. And yeah, they were part of the uh, friend group that all of us were in with other individuals. And yeah, of course, sometimes they were blindsided by a lot of stuff, but I couldn't thank them enough because after everything that happened, I wasn't alone. You know, I still had the support. We were all there for each other. We hung out with each other and it was, it was all smiles. It was like, we never even knew the people in the first place. It was all good. So yeah, I just say thank you. Y'all the real ones, bro. (laughs) One of the last things I want to ask you about this topic what advice would you give to someone who feels alone, even when they may not be literally alone? That headspace as someone who's also been through that, that feeling of feeling alone when you're surrounded by people is one of the most lonely things you can get through. So what type of advice would you give someone who has that similar feeling and don't know what to do? The biggest advice, honestly, that I could give somebody going through that is because I definitely agree being surrounded by bunches and bunches of people that support you but still feeling that heart-wrenching feeling of being completely alone is one of the things I never wish upon anybody even I even if I I never like to say the word hate because I don't hate anybody it's very strong even if I strongly dislike you I never wish that feeling on anybody in this world the biggest advice that I know got me through it is prayer it's the only thing that I could recognize that helped me move forward because no humanly body could help me. No human on this earth, not even my own mother could help me. And I knew that's when it was serious. I was like, mm, let's try this prayer thing out one more time. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was younger, wasn't that strong in it. You know, I I feel like I knew who God was. And I feel like I, you know, sat up and said, yeah, I believe in God. But I did it more so for the family thing. Not to be that child to be like, she doesn't believe in the Lord because in this house, we will serve the Lord, Okay. Now I understand what that phrase means, and now I know why the parents said that and what they meant by it, because I know what it comes with. So I definitely say if you are religious, pray, because he is the only person that will hear everything that you're trying to say, even when you're sitting there crying and you can't form the words that you want to. He's the only person that will clearly get what you want and give it to you when the time is right. Now, as far as someone who's not as religious, I'll definitely say... When you're in those spaces and you're hearing that one voice that's in your head, tuning them out, I want to say, isn't the best possibility, but just try to combat them with the things that you know aren't true. So now with people with anxiety, I have anxiety. So sometimes when I get in those spaces, the voice is telling me, you don't deserve all these things. You know, you're not worth all these things. How are you going to balance doing this, that, and that? You aren't at the place in your life to contribute to these things where I'm like, well, Let's look at it this way. Even if I'm not physically at the stage where I'm supposed to be or when people look at me, I'm supposed they expect someone to be a lot older. I take that as a blessing. I take that as a praise because, yes, I'm only 19, but I've done things that people wouldn't do until they're 25. But yet I'm only 19. So that means I have so much more to do. So I combat that anxiety with saying, well, I've already done it. So you can't tell me I don't deserve it because I did it already. Tell me something different. You know, it's in my it's in my portfolio now. So I definitely say learn who you are in those dark moments. And it's hard to learn who you are when there's someone, even if it's yourself, telling you you don't know who you are. 
it takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of courage and it won't happen on the first time you try it. It might not happen on the fifth, but one time you're going to hit a breakthrough where you learn exactly who you are and you learn exactly who you want to be in those moments. And it's going to be one of the best things you ever learned for yourself. And it's honestly something you can only learn for yourself. Nobody can tell you because going through those moments, there's not a thing someone could tell you to make you okay. And yeah. One of the main things I've told my parents and just people who have asked is I would not be able to get through college without God and without praying and without staying prayerful. Because like you mentioned, there's nobody on this earth that can get you out of your own head except either yourself or God. And even when you get yourself out of your own head, it's the work of the Lord and just continuing to pray and continuing to understand that no matter what I'm going through, it's in God's hands and God is going to make sure I'm okay. Having that understanding can get you through anything. And you mentioned religion. I want to segue into a um, religious conversation. I wanted your Mm -hmm. thoughts on, I was watching a YouTuber. It's a YouTuber I watch every day. It's one of my favorite YouTubers and favorite artists. He also makes music Mm -hmm. and he was reacting to a, not a religious song, but it was talking about God and it was very evident when he was speaking that he was church hurt because he was saying that he's not a religious person because religion in his eyes kind of seems hypocritical. Like, how can you believe in someone and yet these bad things still happen? People still die. And he was also speaking on how his mother is very religious and he's kind of battled with the fact that his mom is religious. And when she prays for him, it usually works out. But when he usually prays, sometimes it may not get the same result or he would look in the world and see things, uh, people dying or things happening. And he made a pretty it was pretty extreme example. He was he was talking about Kobe Bryant and obviously Kobe Bryant's passed away. And then he said that um, if you believe in this certain religious thing and you have the good parts of religion or you have the things that God do that are positive, how can you then reverse reverse it and not talk about the negative? And he said, like, well, if God is all powerful, then he killed Kobe. And that's that's the statement he had said. And um, just. I would ask you because I have my own personal answer that because I've asked the same questions he's asked, not in that same extreme, but I've asked the same questions I have that he asked, like to my dad or to religious people. And they've gave me an answer that I've became comfortable with. What would you say how would you speak to someone who's church hurt? Mm-hmm. And if they wanted to listen, because most of the time this conversation doesn't happen because they don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. And in some aspects, I can even understand that because they don't want to go back to that place of being church hurt. Mm-hmm. But if someone who is church hurt and they listen or just religion hurt in general, if they were to listen, how would you speak to them? And what would you say about the God that you serve and the God that has gotten you through the things that he's helped to get you through? Um, if I were to, like you said, most people who are church hurt, they don't, they don't like, they don't give it another option or opportunity because they expect to be hurt again. But if I was to talk to someone who was willing to speak, I definitely say you have to take the hurt away and you have to be willing and a hundred percent open enough to try it again. And I definitely say, take the church out of it. Cause a lot of the times with churches, especially in this era, they not preaching the word of God. Honestly, and maybe you went to one and, you know, you just weren't feeling it. And sometimes you could feel it in your spirit. And that's the Lord saying they're not talking for me. They're talking from themselves. 
Because a lot of times, and honestly, churches get a bad rap for only in it for the money. And that's very true for a lot of churches. And it sucks for the people that get sucked into churches because that's all they can see. And a lot of people only associate church with God. God doesn't have to only talk to you in a church. God could talk to you in your bathroom mirror when you're washing your face and you're like, oh, what's what's good with you? I'm getting ready for work, but you got you got something you need to tell me? You know, like God doesn't speak, God doesn't solely speak to people in church. Church is just a building. We don't praise the church. We praise God. When we go into church, we surround, we go there to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. We don't go there to praise the foundation of the church because the foundation of the church didn't give us what we got. The pastor didn't give us what we got. God did, but we go there to surround ourselves with people and to praise him together like he wants us to. But most people in church don't do that and people getting into religion. And I don't really like to use religion because it comes with a lot of stipulations. I like to use the word relationship. And honestly, it just varies from person to person. You really have to want to seek God for yourself. And sometimes it takes doing that outside of the church. It takes picking up a Bible or searching up a really good sermon on even YouTube. We're in the era of technology. If you wanted to, you would have never had to go back to a church in your life because you could go on YouTube and search up church sermon. What's today? March 20th, 2023. And you get a plethora of videos from different churches that pop up. And maybe you have to look through a few, but you'd find the one that sits with you and you follow it and you just do it online. And you never have to go inside a physical building ever again and be surrounded with people. You just solely listen to the word and have it like sit with you in your heart and you take your notes and you pray and you do that by yourself. And sometimes it takes doing that versus going into a building where you feel like you're being judged, which you shouldn't have to do. People shouldn't have to walk in the church and feel like they're being judged because then what's the point of a church? That's not the point. That's not the reason it was built. And that's not the reason it was intended for. And to tie on to your statement about how you say, well, if you serve this high and mighty God, why do people die? It's because... Uh, I love this conversation, but like, it's always hard to start into it. But I guess I'm going to start it like this. The world we live in was designed because we made it the way that we did. Because God gave us the choice to do it. When he sat there and he said, and this is not the correct version, the way the Bible said, I'm giving you the 2023 Gen Z version. When God there sat there and said, look, do what you you can make your choices now. All right, I'm gonna still be here. I'm gonna be your number one fan. I'm gonna be your support system. But make your choices. We as humanity said, "All right, bro, let's do this." And this is where we are. This wasn't for the intention of God. God said, "I'm gonna show you why I did things the way that I did." But now, since you wanted to make your own decisions and be like me, so do it. Be like me, and it led us to where we are now. But that's not to say that God makes people die. We all have our designated time on earth. Everybody's going to die. Nobody knows how or when they're going to die. The Kobe Bryant example. He didn't know when he was going to die, nor did his daughter. We didn't know when he was going to die. But we don't know what purpose he had to serve before God said his time was up. Maybe he served everything he had to do. And maybe he made the history and the mark on this world that he needed. And God said, that's all I needed from you. And it was his time to go. Same with his daughter. Kids, unfortunately, kids die all the time, but we don't know how long a kid has on this earth. That's not our place to judge. It is not our place to worry about. It's not our subject that we need to delve into and figure out all the mysteries as to why this person died at 40 and this person died at 13. Because we don't know the mark of humanity each of us have inside of us that God gave us. It's just only he knows and it's only him to decide when we've done what he told us to do. 
Some people live until 100 and some people live till 30. But as long as God sees that you fulfilled your destiny and what he's chosen you to do, then he decides when your time on this earth is done. So maybe Kobe Bryant did what God instilled in his heart to do. And maybe he didn't know it, but God did and said, look, I'm sorry, but if you trust me, then live an eternal life with me, then it's going to be the best you ever had. And that's where he is right now. That's what I like to believe he is. And yeah, it's sad. And yes, it's a sad moment and a sad thing to everybody goes to when you lose somebody. But every time I lose somebody or someone dies, like, and I hear it in the media, I like to think of that. They hit what God always installed in them to do. They hit what they were supposed to. And there's no more, there's nothing left here for them to do. So why leave them in a world where they're just to be shallow and useless? By besides, take them to a place where they're eternally grateful and always happy. There's no more pain in heaven. There's no more sadness. There's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more nothing. It's that place where you praise an eternal life and you're there forever. So yeah, of course we all don't go at the same time. But think about it in a way that everybody who has, they did what they needed to do and they left a mark on you, obviously because you're hurt by it, and on everybody on this earth so it could keep going. Had they not or had he still been alive, maybe some things would have altered. Maybe some things would have went different ways they weren't supposed to. But if you think about it like that, it'll it'll just lead to the result of, oh, all bad things happen and, oh, people just die for no reason. Because I don't like to think people die for no reason. So that's how I like to take it. And I couldn't say it any better myself because it's the same answer that I've given myself. And what I believe in is that one, as far as individuals, God give us free will. He gave us free will. And if he decided to control every little thing that happened, we wouldn't be individuals. We'd pretty much be in heaven at that point. So it's very unfortunate when people pass away or when things don't when jets or private jets that have worked 100 times just suddenly don't work. And now we lose someone in a tragic way. Of course, God has that power. At least we believe, I believe that God has the power to stop those things or like COVID or anything. But as I've noticed that this statement gets people who aren't religious and people who aren't Christian very angry, but (laughs) God truly works in mysterious ways. And if we could understood, if we can understand the things that Jesus Christ does, then we would, we might as well be him. We might as well be one of his angels. And if that was our purpose, he would have made us one of his angels. So everything has a purpose and a plan and if you want to look at it as, oh, okay, so God killed someone. If you want to look at it that way, one, it's only going to leave you angry and upset and not want you to be open-minded to the religion. But you can either look at it like that or look at it as though everything everything has a plan, but things don't always go as planned. And if he wanted to have his plan go 100% how it was supposed to, then we would all lose control. There would be no point in us trying to pursue to be better because he would do it for us. So when things happen that, he didn't intend the only thing he can do unless he comes back to this world and reconstruct everything how they it says he's gonna do in the uh, bible and he's gonna come back unless he does that there's only so much he can do and that so much is be allow that their spirit in heaven and allow the people who are hurt to heal and understand that he didn't want to take that person away from you maybe it was just their time or maybe it wasn't their time and there's nothing more he can do if we all if he allows everyone to have full control and i want to ask you you were mentioning um and you were talking about heaven just that it's a place that you don't hurt no more and that the people who were in pain they aren't in pain no more and i want to ask in more detail what is heaven to you what does 
heaven mean to you? Is it necessarily a place? Is it a symbol? Is it a mindset? Is it an experience? What does heaven mean to you? And why does it mean that to you? Um, I definitely say personally that heaven is a place. Um, I feel like it's something to not, I don't want to say cherish death, but look forward to as far as, so you know how people like always ask the question, oh, do you believe in the afterlife? You get people who are like, yeah, I believe in heaven or, you know, I believe that we just, our eyes close and it's darkness forever. When people told me that answer, I was like, bro, you serious? <laughs> like, butt and casket, that's all I'm going to do with my casket is just be darkness, bro. And, you know, I used to be really, really scared at the conversation of death because I didn't know what happened after the death. None of us know. But it took me, like, getting back into my word and rekindling my connection to learn that if I believe in a place of heaven, then it's mine. I have a ticket to heaven already. Why? Because I confess with my heart and tell them that Jesus is Lord. And that's all you have to do to get into the gates of heaven. The Bible says so. And so my spot is already there. I just have to keep fulfilling my purpose here on earth so that when I get there, it's much more bountiful and it's much more beautiful. So I definitely say that heaven, to me, is a place just like hell is a place. I believe that both of those two are very two distinctive places that the Bible des- that uh, the Bible describes if you read it. So, and yeah, when I, and it's kind of funny because I usually have these like uh, spiritual and uh, God talks with my grandma because she's also very like religious and she's the one who really brought up my faith when I was younger about, you know, you will go to church. You Easter Sunday, you will be in church. All right. And, you know, we, we usually have these conversations. She's the one who inspired me to start my Bible journaling, which I'm going to get back into because I made a promise. And we always have talks about heaven. And if you know my grandma, she's really into casinos and gambling. So she said that her heaven would be a casino wonderland. And she would be in there and she would gamble, but she'd never lose money. She'd just always gain for eternity. And I was like, Grandma, that's silly. Why would your heaven be a casino? And she was like, well, it's a place where, you were the, where you're the most happy. And I'm not saying that in the casino she's most happy. But she think, thought of it as her dreamland. A place where she would go and she'd never have to worry. If she could go into a casino and never worry about leaving out with nothing, then she would. You know, it's it's her dream. So I always thought of heaven being my dreamland. But my dreamland would be where I just never have to worry. I'm a very worrisome person. And sometimes it drags me down a lot because I worry too much about things I can't control. So that's when I give the things that I can't control back to him. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's not for me to control because I, I couldn't change it if I wanted to. You got that, bro. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, my dreamland or heaven would be a place where I didn't have to worry no more. I could wake up every day and not have to worry about the unimaginable because the unimaginable would never happen. I'm in heaven, bro. Like, who doesn't want to go to heaven, bro? Like, I see all these jokes about, no, I'm making it. I'm not making it to heaven, bro. I'm making it to heaven. Right? I'm going to be right there seated next to the Lord, okay? When I knock on my door, I'm like, you rang? I was waiting for you already. I've been waiting, you know? Yeah, everything on this earth is cool, but heaven is cooler, all right? <laughs> and that's such a beautiful way to look at it. And I actually share a very similar mindset to your grandma, just that heaven, I also agree with you, heaven is definitely a place. And at that moment, it will be everything we read about in the Bible, everything we prayed to. We would finally meet the person or the being who we believed in in jesus christ and our faith would be not humanized but it would be shown to you and you will ironically see the light and it would just be a place where you don't have to worry and you will just be happy all the time and i have a very interesting question it's still about the religion thing thinking about 
Um, and obviously, I want to put this disclaimer that we are not God. So we when people not. are harsh on others or other sinners, ironically, when we're all sinners and say like, oh, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go, you're not going to make it to heaven and lash out on those people. Those people are not, they are not, that God would not want us to do that in the best way to say that. So with putting that disclaimer, who, how do you think someone goes to hell, for lack of better words? Do you feel it's a certain amount of actions that someone can do to end up in hell or is a specific person? Because... There are obviously older Christians who say certain people who live their lifestyle a certain way, whether that be the LGBTQ plus community or people who drink or smoke or people who do anything that they don't do, <laughs> um, that they're going to end up in hell. But how how do you view that scenario of not making it to heaven? Because I have a very I have a very unique perspective on that, and I just want to get your insight on it before I give mine. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot you'd have to do to not make it to heaven. Because I believe that the God that we serve is very forgiving. And he's more forgiving than anybody on this earth could be forgiving. Like, even if you say you could forgive everybody, anybody a thousand times for doing you dirty, God could forgive them 3,000 times because he has. And he's forgiving people this very second for sins they're committing. And if we didn't serve a forgiving God, we all would have been in hell. We all would have been on that one-way train there because we sin on a daily basis. We commit sins without knowing them because the generation we live in, it's I wouldn't say it's a lifestyle, but it's becoming routine to make to make certain sins. One of them, as old folks will say, is cussing. I don't have the best mouth. You know, I do express myself in a vulgar language sometimes, you know. But if that was the case as to a sin that would put me in hell, I'd be there because it's something that I wouldn't I I commit and it's something a lot of people commit, you know. So I say it would take a lot for God to say no because of the person that he is and the person he's shown to me who he is and as of a forgiving person as he is especially coming from a time where I was like you know what no I don't think you're really real you know but I'm making those mind spaces I don't think you're really real you haven't shown me you don't really do nothing so yeah and then it took him forgiving that to show himself to me in a way that I couldn't imagine throughout all of the things that I have and the things that I excel on, even the things that I don't excel on. He says, well, this wasn't for you. And I'm showing you that it's not, but since you pushed so hard for it, I have to drop disappointment in your face to show you that it's not for you. And yes, you're going to see somebody else get it, but it was meant for them this whole time. Now, if you wait, I'm going to give you what you need. So don't rush me so I can give it to you. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But yeah, I feel like it would take a lot. And honestly, I feel like the biggest thing would honestly just be, I guess, saying he's not real, I guess. If I had to pick something, would just be saying that. Because I always like to tell people, and if we get in a conversation like this, or if I'm trying to talk somebody out of saying like negative things about themselves, I always like to say that your tongue holds a lot of power. And I know this from experience, personal experience, that the things that you say follow you, and they trail back to you. So if you want good things to happen, you can confess it or manifest, as Gen Z likes to say, over your life and it will happen. Things can move for you if you speak them into existence and you speak them and back them up with work. They can happen for you. But a lot of times people don't want to put in the work. So when they speak it, they're like, mm, I want a Lamborghini. But you're not working towards a Lamborghini. How are you getting that Lamborghini? God can wake you up so you can help work to the Lamborghini. But he's like, I'm not just about to drop a Lamborghini in your face. That's not how this works. 
You're like, mm, you're not real. You didn't give my Lamborghini. He never wasn't going to not give you the Lamborghini, but you had to still work for it. If he gave out freebies, we all be rich. Could we all be like, mm, God, give me a thousand right quick, you know, on a loan. That's not how that works. We still have routines to do to get to the things that we want. So if I had to say what would probably put, uh, lead someone to hell would probably just be confessing that Jesus is a real world. I feel like it's the biggest thing and the biggest, I guess, buzzer that you can continuously hit to wind up there. And even then with saying that, because I know there's a lot of people that say that, they're probably being forgiven and is still being forgiven in this very moment because that's just who he is. You're going to shy away from him and he's still never going to leave. He's always going to be there. It's just your choice to decide whether you want to go with him or not. And he's never going to force you. He's never going to push you. So it's always your decision. And he's just going to be like, well, I wanted you, but if you didn't come to me, I still love you. But, you know. Definitely understandable. And I view it in a very similar way. And I was just the more simplistic version of my viewpoint is just if you don't believe in him, then there's no there's no access to him. If you don't believe in that's like if I didn't believe in a different religion, like people who are Muslim, if I don't believe in the things that they believe in, then I'm not going to get the access to the things that they view are going to get when they pass away or when they reach a certain point of enlightenment. So if you don't have faith, because I'm pretty sure this says this in the Bible multiple times and just people, even if you hear this in church and you said it earlier, the only thing you have to do for Jesus Christ to accept you is just say that he's your Lord and Savior, that you are a sinner and that you want to improve on your sins and just say you believe in him. So if you don't believe in him, it's kind of how that works. And that was another that was another thing the YouTuber was um that I was watching that they were saying in a more negative way towards religion that he said, like, oh, if you don't believe in me, I'm just doomed to hell. Like, what type of God is that? That's pretty much what he was saying. And to that it's it's very hard when someone views religion negatively. It's much easier when someone just doesn't believe in anything or they're more open. But when it's more negative, it's hard to get past that that barrier of hurt because a lot of especially with Christianity, a lot of it is just having faith and just not believing in something that you don't see, but you just feel and you've experienced certain things to allow you to feel that way. But there's no concrete answer of this is why things happen. This is why you'll go to hell if you don't believe in God. And sometimes that's not enough for people, but it's enough for people who believe. And to go back to the heaven thing, one in the more simplistic version, if you don't believe, then there's no access to heaven because you don't believe it's real anyway. So there'll just be an alternative reality for you once you pass away. But I've always viewed it as no matter what, some form of an individual, some form of that spirit will always go to heaven. And I've used the more, it's a joke, but it's the more, uh, it's, there's serious undertones into it, but Hitler wasn't always Hitler. Like, <laughs> obviously Hitler is one of the worst people you can ever think of because of the things he did. But I believe, the God I believe in, God made everyone and God made people in his image. So there was some form of Hitler that God made that wasn't a killer. So whatever that, even if you have to stop to five years old, if he was, if he was a demon from six and up, you won't access heaven. But whatever the person that he made is not a demon, is not an evil spirit. So even when we all have our sins and we all have our imperfections, there's going to be a form of us, at least this high viewer, there's always going to be a form of us that always makes it to heaven because God made us and he made us in his image. So he knew 
what we do every step the moment that we take it before we even knew that we were going to do it. He knew everything we were going to do before we did it. So if he knew up to a certain point, we would lose track of his word. Then up until that point, then we would make we would and wouldn't make heaven based on when we separated from the word of God. And for people who, who were never religious, then those would probably be the situations where as soon as he made you, you'd be like, OK, that um, base form or can't think of um, phrase that original being that I made. That's the only being that's going to have access to heaven. So it's very it's very interesting to always think about where do you go after you die? Because you don't you don't know what the next day holds for you, let alone whenever you're not on this earth anymore. But just having that faith of whatever you believe in, even if you're not Christian, even if you're not religious at all, having something to keep you going, that's all that's important. And just having that relationship with God or just having that relationship with whatever you believe in is it's always up to you. I remember I was telling Jada and I've told other people this as well. I've had I had to fix how I view people who believed in, let's say, astrology, for example. And my first instinct always was that's the most stupid thing in the world. How are you going to believe in a freaking rock? And <laughs> Jada holding in her lap. I'm a snitch. <laughs> and I. Why'd you say it like that? Because that's how I viewed it. That's how I thought at first is why would somebody believe in a rock? Because in the Bible, and I, I based it off just thinking it's dumb, and in the Bible, it's say not to believe, not to idolize anything other than me. So if you're idolizing, it's one thing to idolize another religion, but you're idolizing a piece of jewelry or crystal, then it seems non-intelligent, for lack of better words, and just not call it dumb. And I had to review, rethink that mindset because I asked myself, how would I feel if somebody told me believing in the sky is, is dumb or whatever people call Jesus sky daddy or whatever, whatever the things that they call Jesus. What, just how would I feel if somebody told me you're believing in something you can't see? At least I can see the thing around my neck or at least I can have values and put it in this thing that I wear. And it allowed me to reconstruct my mindset and just people are going to believe in things, whatever allows them to keep them going. And that, at the end of the day, at least to me, that's the most important. And the things we do in our life, no sin in the Bible, No, there's no sin in there. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. But there's no sin ranked over the other. There's no sin that says, okay, you know what? You may have cussed, but, or you may have killed somebody, but if you cuss, that, that's number one. <laughs> like, the only thing that is the highest thing is not believing in him. And with we're all going to be sinners and especially if to people who view being having a different sexuality than straight is a sin i would always just think and again those type of people you can never have con- you can most of the time you cannot have conversations with because their mindset is set but i would always think if god doesn't specify one god one of the main things god does specify is love and loving your neighbor and loving the people around you and we're not in his position so we can never determine who goes to hell or based on what they do and i always think that if no sin is ranked above the other above the other and god has always looked down on multiple sins and he's done things to correct multiple types of sins then how can you determine that one sin is going to truly set them out of the gates of heaven. So it's a very interesting conversation. And this conversation can go on for hours, especially with people who want to have the conversation. 
but just in general to before we segue into something else what are, do you have any more thoughts just in general about religion or the god you serve or the god we serve and yeah matter of fact i got a question for you but answer first oh, and then <laughs> I, I got one more question for you just because i've heard this as well yeah no i was definitely just gonna say that i agree with you um yeah it takes a certain individual that has you just have to be open and you really have to have a like an open-mindedness to you and you really have to be a type of person who genuinely wants to have conversations and not debates i feel like people don't know the difference between a conversation and a debate when you have conversations like this they're not more so debates they're more so just understanding how other people live their life because to me i find that very fascinating understanding how other people get through the day and how other even cultures do the things that they do. I find it fascinating. And I find it thing something that I always want to dig deep into and learn about. But that doesn't mean I'm going to diminish or talk bad about them because they live differently than me. Like, that's, that's just not the type of person I am, one. And that's not the type of person I was made to be. And, yeah, it just it really just takes someone who has a lot of love in their heart and not hate to carry on conversations like this and really get deep into them and really, like, give powerful answers because even if we don't come to an agreement that doesn't mean we didn't have a breakthrough you know that doesn't mean that wasn't destined to happen that doesn't mean that it wasn't in the script to happen because we both could have enlightened each other and i could have spoke something than you to spark in you to search out god again or to rethink what happened to you to make you lose your faith in him you know i always find conversations like this powerful but it's a lot of times People put their emotions too forward at first to where their head and heart don't align because their heads, they're like, yeah, I want to really talk you into this to get the logics and to get your side. But your heart's so still so hurt that you're like, they're like everybody else. They're like everybody else at the church, like everybody else who told me if I walked in here, I'd burn or if I walked in here, I'd immediately be sentenced to hell. When, like I said earlier, you have to take the hurt away, which is one of the hardest things someone can do. But you have to take out that hurt to relearn again. You have to take out hurt to relove again. You can't love with hurt in your heart and you can't learn with hurt in your heart because hurt leads to hate. And when you hate, there's really nothing coming from hate because now you just hate everything because of how hurt you were. So it really takes you wanting to heal from your hurt to either relove again or to relearn. And yeah, it takes it just takes a strong individual. And one of the questions, because I, I, I thought of two more questions to, to ask you about this uh, course, topic. But um, the first one I was referencing is when in the religion of Christianity, we believe in God, but also Jesus Christ. And it's the father. We believe in the father, son and, and the, the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost my God, my I've God, heard my people God. ask like, OK, so does that mean you believe in multiple gods or does that mean like what does that work? So what is how do you understand that it's all like one being and just how did you understand the depths of truly what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is and what you're believing in specifically? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I kind of like to think of it as the same person, but in three different ways. So the whole like the Holy Ghost, I kind of th- I figured that out as a piece of God going with you every day that you could tap into on a daily basis, even when you feel like he's not listening It's always a part of him that's in you, that goes with you, that protects you. Because you ever had a moment, like, a life-threatening experience that you made it out of, that you said, oh, I wouldn't have made it out that without God? I feel like that's kind of what the Holy Spirit is. It's kind of there in you to protect you from those things that if you didn't have him, 
you'd fall into or specific traps that you would have fell easily into had you not been guided or protected by him. And then as far as like God and Jesus Christ, of course, we all know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then three days later, he was sent back up to heaven to be with God. I kind of find that as a tag team, so to speak. So I feel I, I look at it to as like, this is a funny way of saying it, but I feel like looking at Jesus like the messenger, be like, yo, Jesus, I got an issue. Can you send this to God right quick? He like, hold on. There you go. And they have that little debate and they be like, all right, bet. I know exactly what to give you. <laughs> I sometimes look at it like that. But honestly, when I say God and when I say Jesus, I kind of mean the same person because to me, they are the same person. Even when you get back into the biblical story, they reference two separate identities. But in my heart, they kind of mend back into each other because they both mean the same thing. And so kind of when I look into it, I always look at God and Jesus, uh, the same person. It kind of helps me better understand it. And sometimes, like I said, I think of it as two separate beings of that funny notation I just said. And then, yeah, the Holy Spirit, I think of that as something that because in my church that I went to before I graduated, they always told us that the Holy Spirit was something that followed you every day. Like I said, to protect you, to keep you going down the right path and not the wrong one. It was kind of the right voice in your head saying, "Mm, don't trust him. Or you ever get like the gut feel, the gut feelings that you get. I kind of associate that with the Holy Spirit saying, "Mm, rethink that. Or "Mm, do not talk to that person because you're going to get messed up. So, yeah, I definitely, uh, I understand it kind of like that way. Okay. And the last question, at least I think it's going to be the last question about this topic I was thinking of is... There are obviously other religions out there and there are people who aren't religious and who are more based on like science or just psychology and just in general. And there could be multiple different types of people who would prove our religion wrong or just who would give more natural evidence as to why certain things happen or to why certain occurrences may happen. What in you is going to keep your faith no matter what? Like even if someone I've literally had someone ask me if everything you believe is wrong or everything you believe in there's a something that proves otherwise would you still believe in the guy that you do and why and i answered yes and i told them my reasoning and my experiences but has there been an experience a moment or anything that has kept your faith the way it is now or is it just living and learning and understanding the religion more um if someone came to me and said bro that joke was a lie i'd be like it couldn't have been a lie Cause I'm sitting right here. I'm still here. If everything that I went through was a lie, then I wouldn't be here verbally talking to you, explaining why it's not a lie. You know, obviously I'm still here cause my time on this earth isn't done. I haven't knocked into what all I'm intended to do and what purpose I have on this earth. Therefore you can't sit here and tell me it all was a lie. Cause I'm still here. Had all of that been a had all of that been a lie. I feel like personally for me, I wouldn't still be on this earth anymore because I would have nothing to live for back in my head spaces. I would have nothing to strive for. I would have nothing to prove for myself. I would have no God in my ear saying, if you keep going forward, I'm going to show you why I kept you here because he wouldn't be real. So I wouldn't be here because I have I would have had no reason to be here. So I always combat that question with saying, well, of course it's not a lie because I'm sitting right here talking to you. You know, make it funny. Well, of course, if that's a lie, then I'm a lie. Then we're all a lie. Because like you said, we're made like him and we're made for specific reasons that only he knows and that he's going to unreveal for us as life goes on. Then we're all a lie. Then we're all not here for a purpose. We kind of just, like people like to say, sails floating through a universe and wind and stuff. But 
you know, when, and that's, you know, not knocking people who, of course, believe other religions are specifically talking to people who believe in science and how people always say, oh, I believe in science because it's something I can see, it's something I can touch. Well, how do you know Jesus is something I can see, it's something I can't touch? You know, even if I don't see the physical him, I've had experiences where I have felt like Jesus spoke to me through other people. I feel like I've had conversations, almost something like this, and kind of I could count like this, where Jesus has spoke, but it wasn't him. It was through the mouth of somebody else. So where it was like, who are you again? <laughs> How did I just mis mysteriously run into you and we don't know each other, but you said you have a word for me that I need to hear, and you yeah, and it was on your heart, and you like, thank you, that's God, you know? He puts words on other people's hearts to give to other people. And I always have this conversation with my friend Josh, who goes to uh, Oral Roberts. He's like, yeah, I've had to give some words to people. And they're like, do I know you? And he's like, no, but it's something that's put on my heart to tell you that God said you need to tell them this because they need to hear it right now. But if they hear it from me, they're not going to believe it. You got to say it because you're a person. And he's like, okay, I'm going to say it. And he said it and they're like, you don't know how much that meant to me. And I'm like, you see, it's experiences like that that doesn't have to be a being, so to speak. They can be human interactions to where he goes into somebody and says, I don't know you. I don't know your situation, but just know that God is still here for you. And they walk away. You never see them again. But you'll never forget that interaction because he knows that's what you needed right now. You know, he puts people in your life that you need to keep going. He puts, he helps people say certain things that you need to hear to keep going because he knows if he tries to tell you himself, you're not going to listen because you didn't listen before. So he goes to other people and say, bro, please, hey, tell her this. You a real one. Tell her that. Tell her that for me from sign JC, you know, tell her that. And then you say it and they like, oh my God, thank you. He's like, we got her. Thank you. You know? So yeah, I, I like to look at it like that. Like, how can you tell me that I can't feel and hear Jesus just because I can't physically touch a vial or a substance that you create through experiments. How could you tell me that I can't feel the love of Jesus through a child? How could you tell me I can't feel the love of Jesus through my mom? How can you tell that I can't feel the love of Jesus through my best friend, my brother, my random stranger that comes and hugs me randomly because they know they felt that I needed it. How could you tell me I can't feel him when I feel him on a daily basis through people that I'm close to through Things right now, the wind go oh, I go on this topic for hours, but things like that. So yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's so heartwarming to have these conversations because at least on my end, because like everybody's not Christian and everybody's not open to speaking about religion. Cause if it's two things that people always can get into arguments about is religion and politics. And I'm guilty of being on the other end if I just don't talk about politics. I don't care. I would be that person to not vote only because again, just I have no care towards it. Whether I vote for somebody I want in office or not, stuff go happen regardless. And people, politicians lie. So it's, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, as far as religion, I always love having these conversations, especially with people who believe in the same religion as me, because it shows why we believe in the God we do. And the person you're talking to who believes in that thing, they can give you your their whole story and their whole testimony as why they believe in Jesus Christ. Even with people who don't believe in the things I believe in. Like, I've had conversations. I have friends who are Muslim. I've experienced or I've talked to people who are many different religions, people who believe in astrology. And it's always interesting to me to get their mindset because it's it's very easy to call somebody crazy when you don't believe in the things they do. But if you put yourself in their shoes, they're very passionate about this and it helps them live every day. So would you rather them 
not be here or would you rather them believe in something that keeps them going so i really love these conversations i love always having them with you because you're very again like i've said a million times you're very well spoken and you're very strong on the things you believe in so it could be wrong like you said it somebody could tell you that the things are wrong and you would just tell them that it can't be because i'm sitting here so you wouldn't have this conversation with me if i was wrong or if the things i believed in weren't true or if it didn't make me feel a certain way Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. won't ever get tired of these type of conversations and also just me in general I'm always I'm very reserved about talking about religion because there are many people who are who you would think they share the same belief as you. But then their morals would show that they're very bashful. They're very judgmental. So I always just keep these things to myself, depending on who I'm talking to, because you never know how someone can react. You never know what can trigger someone because people don't everybody isn't comfortable talking about these things. So just having this outlet and you being open to it. Always thank you for that. Of course, man. Of course, of course, of course. And to transition to something completely different than religion, <laughs> some movies have came out this year and we've seen a couple new ones together. We've seen them together. Well, one of them we didn't see together, but, you know, it's fine. Bro, you know. bro that's not on me, bro. Sorry. <laughs> one of them was, yeah, we can talk about Scream first. One of them was the newest <laughs> Scream. And quick little story on my end. I am really first of all in movies in general i never was really allowed to watch a lot of movies and just in general once i grew up and got to the point where i could watch them i just never cared to i never had the uh, moments to and the my very my least favorite horror genre or my least favorite genre of movies to watch is horror like i'm just not a scary movie fan one it's either because most movies don't scare me and i view the acting as dumb like the, the people people can't act in a scary movie or especially being a religious person just all the spirits and demonic stuff it's just not for me personally and my lovely girlfriend of mine is the complete opposite and loves horror movies and loves scary movies and out of she there can be a million scary movies and it could make her the happiest person in the world that day i would tell her i'm not watching that like especially like in stuff like insidious like i already listen she she could be (laughs) i'm not gonna say uh i'm not gonna get too uh, extreme but it could make her very happy and be like babe i'm not watching it and one of the franchises that she got me into was scream and she told me it's her favorite uh scary movie franchise or it's one of her favorites at least and ironically enough to this day even we didn't watch all six but like the first four i feel is one of the most overrated franchises i've ever watched like especially because like i've said my gripe my, one of my biggest gripes with scream is the reasons the reasons the killer have for doing what they do like you mean tell me for the first three or four movies the reason or i think for the only for the first three the reason they killed or the reason they wanted to kill old girl was because the mama's um uh let me let me not say it let me not say it uh the original word (laughs) i was gonna say but the mom slept around with a lot of individuals so now they want to kill the daughter like that's that was always so dumb to me and then especially i think it was scream four one of the it i I got a lot of gripes about scream but the newer one scream well scream in 2022 and then scream six I really like those. I actually really love the newest one, Scream 6, just because how they executed everything and just how they delivered that movie. I feel it was really well. What did you think of the newest Scream? And what do you think of the Scream franchise in general from what you can remember, obviously? Yeah, I really like the new Scream. Uh, For context, yes, my sister loves horror movies because my mother loves horror movies. My mother is a horror movie fanatic that is i could count like that is definitely one of her favorite movie genres she got janae really really into scary movies and of course if one twin likes scary movies the other one does not i (laughs) would not say it's my favorite but getting older i guess i'm like bro i guess let's go see this movie but being younger me i'm like 
we really gotta go see the Conqueror Part Three. Like we really gotta go <laughs> like, watch Insidious old DVD. I'm like, can we watch Princess and the Frog or something? <laughs> can we watch something nice and happy? So I definitely was not into horror movies. I was scared. Not gonna hold y'all. I was terrified as a baby child. My mother was like, "Was well, it you stay here or come to the movies?" I'm not gonna give up a chance to go to the movies. How you give me such a choice? So I went scary, jacket over my head like this, watching it. While Janae's like, "Ooh, did you see that, Jada? Jada, did you see all the blood in his head?" I don't want to see it, Janae. All right, I'm done. <laughs> but yes, I really like uh, Scream. Scream, it will, it will be up there as one of my uh, favorite horror movie franchises. My ultimate favorite is Halloween. Michael Myers. Chef overrated. My, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, that last, I don't know what they did with that last. We all agree. Yeah, like, yeah, that last one was. But nah. You know, they got a little older. Yeah, you know, it happens. It happens. Yeah. But hey, shout I, out Michael Myers. Right, Michael Myers is a villain. Top tier. Top tier serial killer. But yeah, Scream. I feel like this Scream was really, really like cliffhanger and then not ending expected. Like, not an ending I expected, especially. Like, of course, you know, you going into a screen, you be like, all right, time to play detective of who the killer is. It's somebody in this circle, but who is it? So, you know, I'm over there and we'll be like, oh, it could be you because, you know, you're really not into it like that. Or, oh, it could be that guy because, you know, he just got here. But what if it's that girl who's really just, you know, loud and trying to make it seem like it's not her? Then you get to the ending and you like, what? So, yeah, I definitely said this scream is definitely up there. I feel like they tailored back into, like, Scream 1 with the original and, like, how the Scream is supposed to be. And I really, like, I'm actually kind of glad that really one of the main returners was only, like, Gale in it. Because it made it more so, like, they were, that they were, like. Um, I'm giving the hand. Y'all can't say I'm giving the hand still. I don't want to put a spoiler warning on this. But, so, bro, like, walk light, bro, walk light, bro. Scream been out for, like, how long, bro? Creeping off how long. And I just seen that yesterday. So, it happens, hey, bro. bro. They ain't see it, bro. My bad. But, look. I got to explain my point, bro. My bad. Hey, go to the movies, bro. That ain't okay. Go to the movies. <laughs> but, yeah. That one character in there, I guess it's kind of like telling, like, readers and viewers that they're shifting out. They're bringing in the new batch of characters, mm-hmm. which I always like to see in franchises. And I like to see how they do it. And I feel like Scream did a really good job of doing that. You know, it wasn't like these characters just here and it's like, well, who are you again? It was like, okay. I get you. I get why y'all here. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it moving. I like the plot. I like what's going on. Let's keep it going and let's see what happens, you know. So, yeah, I really like the new Scream. Yeah, I told y'all when we watched it, like, that's my personal favorite one. Especially as somebody who views the first, like, original, overrated. Like, I really like the new direction they're going in. And one of the best parts of seeing that movie, wasn't even the movie in general, it was being in the theater and, like, reacting. Like, oh, my God, like, that's going on. And, like, the whole theater is reacting the same way. Because I've heard horror stories on, like people we've experienced it where people get like mad at us for like or mad at people if they're like talking especially younger people because younger people can't some people can't shut up i'm one of those people like i talk i'm very guilty of talking through movies because i'm very like reactionary i don't know if that's a word but if something's going on it's blowing my mind i'm gonna i'm not just gonna think in my head like oh my god that's so crazy i'm be like oh my god that is so crazy <laughs> like I, I remember in Black Panther, and even though this movie been out for a while, I literally seen it on DVD at Target, like the Target by MSU. But I'm still not gonna spoil it. But when that one character died, it, like we all was like, no, that's not. Like there's certain when certain things happen in these moments, there's a big theater for a reason. Like you're supposed to react. So I'm not just go. I can't ever sit there and be like, oh my god, that just didn't happen. So when the reveal happened of Scream, at, like who did it, and the whole theater was like, no, like just that makes the movies great for me because going to the movies 
it was especially when I was younger, it was like a special occasion. Like it was it wasn't a luxury like just going to the movies every time the movie came out. It was like, oh okay, like a superhero movie coming out. Like, okay, we'll see this one. Or like there's a black superhero, we definitely gotta see that. Or like certain movies, it wasn't like I wasn't the um the the child the child or kid to always go to the movies or always see certain things or even remember them like my parents not to say that they just didn't never take me to the movies like either we'll go to movies occasionally or we'll get like the bootleg version like feels like uh penguins of madagascar like dragon ball z was my thing and still is my thing when i was younger like wanted to see that in theaters but we couldn't go see it in theaters because it was released in japan so (laughs) when they made the american version and just putting on dvds like those experiences were like more my movie experiences unquote i probably like if my parents looked hard enough they probably can find like our collection of dvds like like lilo and stitch shrek cat in the hat like those especially when we when the moments we we didn't have cable that dvd player and that dvd oh that held it down nah, i would rather watch that than uh tv we got so comfortable with it or like scooby-doo uh scooby doing it man me, y'all know nothing about it right? y'all know nothing about it but the other movie i was referencing that jada saw without me but uh creed the newest creed and i'm gonna actually dedicate a separate podcast episode to this hopefully with a guest it's gonna be a very special guest if i can pull that but just in general your thoughts what do you think of the newest creed and michael b jordan and jonathan majors and how they performed and looked in the movie <laughs> and um do you feel again if you remember the other two do you feel it was the best out of the three and how do you feel about just like Rocky not being it. I don't know if you've seen Rocky in the other movies, but just yeah. overall, how do you feel about the third Creed? Yeah, I like love the third Creed. If I'm going to the movie to see an action movie, that is what I consider action. Like that's what I consider, you know, somebody testing you like, bro, you gonna show up or you or you not. You you, you gonna fight me or no? And you being like, Yeah, let's go. And then the action starts and you like, Oh yeah, who gonna win this? Who gonna win this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really, I really liked Third Creed. I liked um, the storyline of it. I liked, you know, the flashbacks, the actual big impactful fight scene where it's going on forever. And you like, dang, they not done. But you see every shot means something. Every punch they throw meant something because of how close they were. And honestly, yeah, I definitely say, I feel like two and three, two and then this one are my favorites. They're like tied. Because I really, really like two just for like the emotional relationship aspect of it between uh, Adonis and his now wife, but then you go into three and then you see their daughter growing up and then, you know, of course, and I really, really love that they had like a deaf actual child play the deaf character because it makes it more emotional and impactful for that, like, you know, that child to say, hey, I can't do this even though I can't hear as well as you and I mainly speak through sign language. And it also breaks the barrier in movies because you don't really see a lot of uh, ASL in movies because, you know, movies you think hearing, obviously, but what about for the non-hearing people who can't hear it? That doesn't mean they can't watch a movie. They just have to do it a different way. So having her in there and then even having, you know, Michael B. learn ASL and all of them learn how to communicate with her on and off the screen, it was like a really, really just good moment for, like, movies and cinema and just really good for the actors because now they have something, like, to further add to their belt and further connections they can make as far as what they can do. But yeah, I said Michael B. Jordan and acting, 10 out of 10. That man really knows how to get into character, just like Jonathan Majors. If you've seen him in Ant-Man, oh my God, that man can act. They both can act, and they definitely deserve all the props that they're getting for the movies they have been in because they embody their characters, and they really like 
push it to the forefront. But yeah, I love Creed. I love action movies. Like I said, if I want to see action, that is what I call an action movie, okay? The suspense, all of that. That is an action movie, for sure. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll save more of my thoughts for when I dedicate the episode to it. But I really like the movie as well. And just the psychological aspects of Michael B. and Jonathan's relationship in the movie or um, Adonis and Damien's relationship in the movie. The mom, I'll just leave it there, but the mom and the daughter and just the whole the deeper dive at least how my mind thought about it when i was watching it just i'm very excited to talk about it in general and for me even though i really like three two is my favorite just because so i break because each movie is great and i break each movie down into the 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 really big moments where in the first one by the way spoilers for especially the first two and then i don't think i'm gonna try not to spoil the third one but in the first one where rocky was sick and we didn't know if rocky was gonna be alive where he got the uh cancer same thing that his uh wife or late wife adrian did and then seeing the moments of michael b or adonis tell him like if i fight you fight like i'm not fighting I, i'm not gonna continue boxing if you're not gonna try and fight this or in the third one where the very impactful moments happened i'm not gonna spoil but the second one is always going to be my favorite because little known fun fact on me, I really want to box. Like, I genuinely want to get into boxing because one, just the action of it, but just let alone you can take away the whole boxing aspect of boxing. Just getting the people, the shape they be in, like Michael B. and Jonathan Majors, like and just the people who be boxing in that movie, like they be looking good. And like the shape you can get in exercising for boxing and having your mind determined on a goal to succeed in that is incredible and i would love to do that and none of none of the things or most of the things don't really steer me away from boxing like the dangers of it because it's a dangerous sport like you're literally getting hit and just the exercise you put in it's very like it's not easy you have to put in a lot of work to get the goals that you want in boxing whether it be the body or winning the fight none of that scares me of boxing when i was watching creed 2 and he got out of the fight with Victor Drago and like Drago was hitting his like stomach and abdominal so hard that when he went to use the bathroom, he peed blood. That scared me more than anything. Like you, I can watch a whole scary movie and not be scared, but that like that generally made me be like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Like I'd rather take a concussion, but you mean tell me he peeing blood? No. And just that feeling, the fact that they would show that in the movie, like it's very real. Like the mom also says like the whole thing of creed is that his dad died in the ring like that's not the farthest thing that can happen because you're getting hit to the point some people get knocked out in boxing and some people don't wake back up so just the sport can be really dangerous and the fact that they depicted that in such a real way it really opened my eyes like wow like that genuinely they just put that on a movie screen and if you also know about me i really really want a daughter i really want one of my biggest dreams in life as a person is to be able to create a life for my future wife and daughter that they'll never have to worry and they're always smiling so the fact that one it was so funny in the scene to where they were at um they were at the table and it was michael b or it was adonis his wife or his uh girlfriend at the time and the mom they were at the table and their plan was they were going to tell the mom that they're going to that he's going to fight victor drago the son of the uh guy who killed his father and of course they like the mom not gonna be cool with that so they felt they should sit at the table and talk to her about it and when adonis was trying to tell her she was like i already know and then they, we all, or they thinking like, how did, how she know about the fight? And she was like, she looked over to his girlfriend and was like, you pregnant, ain't you? And then they looked at the mom, they started right laughing like, my, you crazy, dick. And then she looked at him again, they got scared for a minute. And then next thing you know, she was actually pregnant. So seeing that, and then the fact that the, um, his now wife in the third movie was losing her hearing and they wanted to test to see if the daughter 
would be able to hear and you know in movies it's always it's very easy to have the good thing happen the good result like oh of course she can hear or she can have she can only she can hear like out of one ear or something the fact that they were bold enough to not have the daughter be able to hear and to see like michael b breaking down and seeing them be hurt or just not hurt just unfortunate that the baby can't hear and that she won't be able to hear just had seeing that moment like it, it got to me like a lot of when I'm watching like media and TV and stuff, even when like emotional things happen, they don't really get to me because I have the understanding that it's like it's just acting. But seeing that and having it hit so close to me because I want a daughter and me not knowing how I'd react if there was something to where like my newborn child, something's going on that really stood out to me. And then after that, to have Rocky be in the role of telling Adonis like, like not why are you crying, but why are you sad? don't feel sorry for her because she's not going to feel sorry for herself and just love her how you would if she was if she could here just that whole like that ending was just forget the fight like those parts of that movie and then what in the third movie how they use utilize the daughter who like jada mentions also deaf that movie like this movie franchise is really good to me and like if they ended it here i don't know especially with the money in it they're probably going to make a creed four or five six seven eight but one especially without rocky and especially with the um direction the third movie took i would be okay if they stopped here because again how do you because it's hard to talk about without spoiling it but just the direction they went in is with unfortunate how rocky's at least to with how things stand now he doesn't plan on being in any more of the creeds because there's a, like a contract thing going on because someone owns the rights to the rocky character and sylvester stallone would want those rights and he's not giving it to sylvester stallone because sylvester stallone sold it when like during the first rocky movie because he didn't know how big it'd be so now it's like i mean he gave his rights away to the character but he would want them because it's him you don't have rocky you don't have creed without rocky so i definitely understand him not wanting to be in it but it's just unfortunate when you have certain moments and it's like dang like you know like rocky should be here but yeah that movie in general was really good and i still will talk about it in the podcast episode i have for it that i plan on doing for it but just in general uh are those the two movies are those the only two movies you've seen this year was uh was black panther was that this year that's crazy that i can't even remember that was that no. this year oh we about to do a, i'm gonna do a live google search just uh when did black panther 2 come out that came out in November of last year? Yeah, yeah. Jesus yes, Christ. Um, yeah, I knew it couldn't be this year. I'm like, the year just started. It, yeah. It, it, I feel it like yesterday. To... Even then, we in March. Of the, we about to be in April of this year. Your birthday, we we mentioned earlier, your birthday about to be here in uh, hey, hey, a minute. Hey, hey, hey. That is insane. Yeah, but, yeah, it definitely came out last year. So, these are the only two. I think these are the only two movies I've seen this year. Well, new, oh, well, Ant-Man. The new Ant-Man this, this year. You know what? We go... Uh, I don't even want. I don't even want to talk about it. that. That hurt. That hurt my feelings. How they did the new Ant Man? Because again, like I mentioned, I really want a daughter, and the relationship that Ant Man and his daughter have, especially in the first two, especially in the first one, beautiful. Like favorite favorite Marvel superhero as of right now. Because I'm. I was never into the superhero movies. My family wasn't really into it either, and that's another thing that Janae and Jada and your mom and just the all family have gotten me into. So I gotta go back and watch all of them and see who would actually be my favorite superhero. And I don't want to just say Black Panther because he's black, even though black he was good superhero, especially R.P. Chadwick. But R.P. Chadwick, man. Right now, as it stands, if especially if I erase the third one out of my memory, Ant Man is my favorite right now. But I actually have 
it's going to be a bit random, but it kind of ties into uh, Creed, at least a specific part of Creed, and just a more serious question that I want to ask you and just get your thoughts on. So, obviously, in Creed, there was it was important aspects and it was action aspects, but it was also it had its fan service. Like obviously Michael B, every time you take his shirt off, all the girls like, oh my god, Michael B. Or when Jonathan Majors, they were obviously built, and they're obviously the ring girls who had what's the best way I can word this? They appeared a very they appeared in a very attractive way with how they were dressed, and when you're in a relationship, sometimes it becomes difficult when you show attraction towards anyone that isn't your partner. And there's always a fine line to keep between being respectful of your partner and just being a normal human and being attracted to other individuals who may look good. Not to say that you want to like marry them or something, but just mm-hmm. somebody look good, be like, oh, their body looks good. Or, oh, or, whew, Michael B. Or however you react right. to it. How do you feel the balance should be kept in praising your partner for how they look and then showing attention to let's keep let's put it on the guy let's not put it on you when guys show attention to other women or they follow instagram models but they're in a relationship how do you feel one how do you feel about that in general and how do how does a guy a gal keep it on the guys but how does a guy or girl how do they balance that reaction and feeling of i guess just more blunt way to say it of just finding other people attractive I mean, I guess I would take that into account, like, we aren't blind. So, of course, if we find someone that we think is cute, like Michael B., oh, my gosh. We're going we gonna to have a reaction like that. We're going to be like, oh, my God, that man is fine. But that's not to say I'm about to search up Michael B. Jordan's number and text him every day till he texts me back. Same with uh, Stevie coming across the girl Instagram and he like, dang, that girl kind of cute. And I look over and I'm like, she bad, she bad, she doing a little something, something. We can leave it at that, you know. There's, I feel like there's a fine line between genuine, just human attraction, and then sought out attraction, and someone wanting to be with that person, someone wanting to gain attention from that person because they are attractive. So, like in movies, like the girls we were talking about, who were pictured in a more attractive manner with the way they were dressed and things like that, there, there's just a line that. You doesn't need to be crossed. Like, of course, you know, I was an Ant Man. I was like, Ooh, Jonathan is cute. You mean, and of course, you mean I was Creed. Creed. Yeah. You say Ant Man. Well, I, he was. He was. He Jonathan. Was, oh he no! Was, he no. He wasn't an Ant Man. He he. Because we're not gonna spoil anything that's going he's on. on. The, he's on the poster. <laughs> Which was crazy. Yeah, I I even forgot about it because I tried to erase it out of my mind. Like, no, we're not spoiling. But there's literally, uh, I was at the movies, one of the movie theaters when I saw Cree and Jonathan Majors was on one of the Ant-Man posters. I'm like, they revealed him at the after credits. Like, why they? But, yeah, so. He's literally on posters and and the official trailer. He's in there. So that's on me. But (laughs) in Ant-Man and in Cree, you know, I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. Double movies for him. Just he doing his big one. And, you know, of course, you know, I do a joke and I'm like, hey. He was texting me. I don't know what you do. You know, that's a joke. But if I was over there just, like, thirsty, like, you could just see it. Now it's like, okay, that's where we're teetering the line of just being uncomfortable. Because, of course, you don't want your partner just sitting there saying how someone else is more attractive. Then you'd be like, what about me, though? And they're like, huh? You know, of course, we don't uh, want that. But I just feel like there's a line between it. And, of course, if Stevie did it, I wouldn't be like, oh, so you looking at other girls? No, no, don't do that. Throw this one across the room. No, I'm not going to do that. If she cute, I'll be like, hey, she is she cute. You know, I see what she working with. You know, but as long as it doesn't tear the past, now I'm seeing messages and you in the comments just 
hard eyes after hard eyes after hard eyes, like and post, like and post, like and post. You don't know the woman, that's different. You don't even know the girl. She don't know you from a can of paint. What's going to happen? Now you're trying to find something to happen, and now that's their issue. Because now mm -hmm. you want something to happen. Mm -hmm. Versus you scrolled upon her, and you're like, oh, she cute, scroll. Oh, she kind of cute, cute, scroll, scroll, scroll. It's social media, you know, we're going to see half naked people on the web because that's just what they post now. Mm -hmm. So if you see him, you know, oh, she kind of cute, scroll. And I'm like, yeah, you know, she cute, hard a picture. Okay, you know, that's fine, whatever. I see you in the DMs, you in every picture from 2021. Come on, brother. Like, what you doing? You know, mm -hmm. that's the line where it's like, now you're just thirsty. Now you're embarrassing. <laughs> that's embarrassing, okay? I definitely agree. And I like where you said, like, we're not blind. Because at the end of the day, Again, to put it on myself, obviously, I'm in a relationship. If Janae, even though I've joked with her uh, when she'd been like, dang, he cute. I'd be like, dang, really? That's crazy. You know, I'm like right here. <laughs> I personally could care less because it all it all falls under trust. And if I I would ask myself, like, do I think that she's going to leave me because somebody else looks attractive? Like, no, I don't think oh. that. So why would I get upset about it? Like I was I sent her um, a post and it was. Like it was the girlfriend was she showed her or actually the wife showed her husband like this guy had like DM'd her like saying she was pretty. Like, you know, the TikTok sign, this guy in my DM saying I'm pretty. <laughs> she was showing him that and it was that sound. And the guy just reacted like, oh, you is you do look you is pretty. So I agree with him. And she was saying like he just not getting mad after he literally in my DM saying I'm cute. Like, I personally don't care because I know what I got. And I know no matter who she think cute, she go come home to me anyway. So <laughs> so it's like there's no there's no bit of um jealousy or lack of trust because if if i have that feeling or if someone would do that they weren't mine anyway so just with some with people and plus people be attractive even as a straight man like i would i wouldn't hesitate to be like, oh yeah that dude look good or yeah his body look good or yeah it, 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 dang like especially michael b when they they arms was huge bro like this, bro. <laughs> like no matter you can hate all you want to like they look good like michael b is an attractive man like it is what it, i try chop it up to him bro so and especially with other women, like I've always told Janae, like, yeah, like there are other beautiful women out there, but they're not you. So I would quickly think or say, be like, dang, she fine. And just I would tell Janae, be like, hey, she fine. She'll look at me like, OK, like, oh, so you think she look better than me? I'd be like, no, I don't, because <laughs> nobody, no matter who's on this earth, in my personal view, my girlfriend is always going to be the most beautiful woman on this planet. So no matter if they could be half naked, they could be completely naked. It could be a dude who cares. I'm always going to have my eyes set set on the person that I'm with and who I would hopefully eventually marry if we stay together. So I've just always thought about that because there are always it varies to uh, person to person. And I've always thought that those type of boundaries should be set when the relationship is first made or at least as early on as possible. Like if it is um, if it's something uncomfortable of a guy following multiple Instagram uh, models or liking pictures or anything. If that's a source of uncomfortableness, then that should be made clear um, when it's first discussed or like when certain people indulge in certain things that um, may pleasure them on their own time. I've always viewed one, those things should be talked about between the couple before they even get together. But also just on my personal opinion, it's not something that makes me uncomfortable or jealous because at the end of the day, it's not like they're seeking that to be with that person or be with that individual and just with me personally as like a boyfriend or just in general i've I've always said that i'm not the jealous type but i will i'm very protective like if something if janae 
even for a split second says that like somebody makes her uncomfortable or something makes her uncomfortable that's what set me off but if somebody hit on her i mean i know the type of woman i'm with i know she's fine people go find her attractive so it would be um it would be naive of me to be upset when somebody like if somebody were to come up and hit on her now of course especially because i'm very petty so i would just come over there and just kiss her and be like oh hey how you doing and then just walk away not even say nothing to the dude so just that would be my way of showing like okay like that's mine she not going nowhere but i mean you, you do whatever you want to do like you try see if you can get a number matter of fact if you get a number i give you bonus points like you did that i'm gonna talk to her be like oh so you gave me the number like what, what we doing but <laughs> like i don't know i've never been i've tried not to be the jealous type because it's just it's too much energy especially when you trust your if you claim you trust your partner then what's the point of being jealous or thinking that just because they found somebody attractive or they gave somebody a compliment they're gonna walk away from you so yeah mm-hmm. that's just what i've thought about it from there and with that being said I have another um, interesting conversation that I wanted to get your viewpoints on that bro, me, this is also going to be a podcast episode, so I'm not going to give my thoughts on it yet because I want it, even though I, I may agree, depending on your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But one of the topics I've wrote down from one of my solo episodes that will be posted after this is, is rap music dangerous? And I was thinking about this because there's always, especially in certain forms of hip hop, there will be dangerous aspects of it where there would be like diss tracks like we were talking about tupac and the uh famous hit em up diss track like as fire as that song is and as low-key hilarious some of the disses are these that song and just the, how tupac was as an individual in some aspects led to his death and the death of obviously biggie as well and just we see rappers die all the time we see young thug locked up in uh with the rico case of things that's going on and just the topic that i wrote down for myself to talk about later is i'll say the whole thing and is rap music dangerous is rap music misogynistic and should rap lyrics be used to incarcerate individuals let's talk about it all and just in general i want to get your thoughts on do you think the music is dangerous or do you think the environments they come from are dangerous and whichever side you're on what's the impact of where the danger lies and then how do you feel about like just how men are in rap, like how they depict women and should rap lyrics that are said be used for serious incarceration when trying to see what's just rap and what's danger? So mm-hmm. yeah, you can take that one by one and I can repeat it if anything if you need me to. But yeah. Yeah. So as far as rap, just to put it out there, I don't listen to a lot of like today's artists. The rap that I listen to, oop, not the people, hey. <laughs> people all way. As far as, like, rap artists I listen to, I definitely listen to old school artists. You know, Tupac, that's my number one. You know, I also dabble in Biggie, you know, N.W.A., groups like that, to where their music was seen as dangerous, but it was only dangerous because of the environments they lived in. Those were rappers that rapped about hard times that were actually hard because they were actually rapping about stuff that were going through on a daily basis. You know, Tupac, for example... He was rapping about, yeah, stealing and being involved with gangs, but he lived it. So it was just him telling his story, which, yes, of course, it got him locked up a few times. But I would rather rap be about what you're living and you know that you're living it versus you rapping about a facade or a dream that you live in. Now, if you in the suburbs and you rapping about being from the hood and robbing 12 people, but your house is in a gated community. What are you talking about, girl? You faking at this point. But as far as rappers, especially back in those times, of course, police whack the police any better but hearing those lyrics they sought them out like hey bro you can't be rapping about this you about to be locked up for 12 years when sometimes it'd be just lyrics but other times it'd be about the struggles that they went through and the adversities that they faced to 
get to where they are. But I wouldn't say the music itself is dangerous. I would just say the environment is dangerous. Like if you practicing what you're preaching, then that's dangerous. But I feel like putting it on paper and then putting it out there isn't dangerous. I feel like the music itself is just a story. Now what happens after the story is what, how someone took it. So like for example, the Tupac diss. We all know that was against Biggie, and it was a hilarious diss, and it's one of my favorite songs <laughs> as far as rap songs. But I don't feel like the diss itself was danger. I feel like the diss itself was an outlet for Tupac to explain how he was feeling in the moment with whatever was going on. But after the, and I feel like he very well knew what was going to happen after the diss track, which is why he put it out there because he wasn't scared. He was putting out to say his piece. It's like Biggie went out and said his piece. Now what happened after the diss track was the dangerous part. Because of course people was like, we're just not going to let this fly. All right? Nah, so I don't think the music itself is the danger. I feel like the music and the beat that they pick and the lyrics that they choose are mindful of what they want to say out into the world. But I only say that to back in the day rappers because I feel like those rappers really like honed into their rap and really like spoke truth. Now I'm not gonna lie, there's a few rappers out here today, but a lot of older rappers, like not younger than like 35, who really like rap about stuff that they went through and really like deep stuff. One of my husbands, Jermaine, who really rap about like real life experiences and the stuff that they went through. And you could just tell in the way that their lyrics flow. Like it's not all about how girls look. It's not all about, oh, she got a big butt and stuff like that. You know, it's really about... I like this girl. She cute. We went to school together. I got her like this. We broke. Like, it's real life stuff that people go through. Yeah, it might be about how he got arrested a few times, but it's not them idolizing drugs or, like, the fame. It's them just idolizing their story that nobody would listen to had it not been in a rap song, you know? So that's why I don't say that the music itself is the danger. I feel like how people take it is the danger. Mm. And of course, I, of course, and I know most rappers expect people to take it the wrong way because it's rap. And of course, when you hear rap, you hear thugs, ghetto, gangbanging, drugs, stuff like that. So once you associate that in your head with rap you automatically know that you're going to take it a bad way. It's a whole nother conversation that I'm going to talk about. Exactly. But And those rappers know that these people are going to take it that way, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're just telling their story in the first place. And to piggyback more on the rest of this topic that I had in my questions, because you mentioned that you don't listen to more like uh, rappers who like nowadays. Why is that? I could probably guess, but just to <laughs> yeah. get your insight on it. I listen to them i if i really listen to them it's for the beat because once you take the beat out and you listen to the lyrics it's like bro what are you talking about you just said the sky is blue your tv brown like what are we talking about you know i grew up in like with my mom and the music that they listen to this is where like i learned all these rap like tupac one of her favorite artists yes she was listening to tupac around me as a child argue with your mammy this is why I have such good music taste right now that I do. Because the people that made music were making music to tell a story. You know, they really dived into music. They weren't making it for money. They were making music to relate to people, to gather people into concerts and to celebrate people and to talk about stuff that they went through that had they made a book, nobody would read. Or had they go on TV, nobody would listen to them. But they know most people listen to music. So they made music and people listened to it. So... You know, as far as today's rappers, I feel like a lot of people are in it for the fame and the clout. And I feel like a lot of people aren't in it to make music. They're in it to hear what other people think about their music. And they get into arguments when people say their music is trash. 
Like, that's what I feel like most artists are in it for music for. Now, of course, you get a few young artists who are like, okay, that song pretty nice. That's, that's a good song. This song, that song is heat. But then again, if I hear a song, I'm really listening to it to dance to the beat. I'm not dancing to the words. Because if I listen to the words, I'm like, bro, turn it off. <laughs> turn it, cut the right, cut the cameras, turn it off. <laughs> Definitely understandable. And I want to ask before, um, like, the last question about this topic, just what music means to you. But I want to get your opinion on just the influence rappers may have. And I know you talked um, specifically about like the environment and just things that have gone on. That's the more dangerous side of it. But just one for a more broad version of this question, how do you feel about the impact artists may have when speaking to viewers who may be younger? And also just in general to um, ask you this, when certain rappers who use certain language in their music, specifically the N-word, let's take that for example, do you feel it's a requirement or do you feel it would be necessary to not say certain things so you won't put it out there? Like, obviously, for example, if a black artist puts the N-word in his music and then they perform in a concert full of white individuals or people who aren't black, but they repeat the lyrics that are said, is it really the audience fault or is it the artist? So... That and then just how in, in general, how do you feel about the influence artists may have when putting their music out there? Um, honestly, I feel like artists shouldn't take into account like how the audience, like audience influence. Because if I'm like someone who's really into music and if I'm someone who really like values making music. And if I have to say like the N word, if I have to like cuss a few times, but that's really how I'm feeling like in that studio session recording, then I'm not going to hinder my way of speaking just to appease a white audience. Now, of course, for most concerts, white audiences are making the big money, so they're going to attend these shows. But it's not up to the artist to hinder and say, oh, don't say that, Jimmy. Oh, John, don't say that word. You know, they're up there to do their job. And they have one job, one job only to do is to perform for people that paid to see them. So they're going to perform for people to see them. Now, the crowd saying, and we're back and they're not white, the artist going to be like, mm, maybe not. But can they really control everybody's mouth? No. Who's really going to listen to them? And it's really up to like whatever individual mindset they're listening to rap. I know me, I have been listening to Tupac for as long as I can remember. Even from a child, I really uh, take this into consideration. Love that my mother did this. She didn't shelter Janae and I or Jazz from anything really. We were exposed to a lot because she said, I'd rather you hear with me than anybody else so that if you have a question, you can ask me, not the world, because the world's going to lead you in the wrong direction. I was like, thank you, mama. But, you know, we listen to this type of music and I turned off on. I'm not gangbanging. <laughs> selling drugs, you know, because I know it's, at the end of the day, it's just music. This is not my lifestyle. This is a lifestyle that I hear from somebody else that can make some good bars and I like to listen to. But it's not my lifestyle. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. Right? <laughs> I'm not from there like that. For right? real. People take it to heart too close. Like, you was not that person. That is not your life. They tell you about their life. That don't mean make your life theirs. That's <laughs> not the point. All right? That's not what they said. Okay? And just, I agree so much because I've always said like at the end of the day you don't know these people like you don't know them personally so you can enjoy their music but you don't know how they are behind closed doors and somebody was making like an argument saying like they don't listen or they don't like certain artists or they don't listen to certain artists because of uh certain things they did and before i give my opinion i agree with that stance when it comes to r kelly like r kelly like and even though then again robert got some (laughs) robert robert got some nice songs i'm gonna keep it a band with you robert got some nice songs but i'm not gonna be bumping no pun intended bumping r kelly just because like i don't know just certain actions he did with that being said 
besides R. Kelly, I if you <laughs> if you base your moral high ground or if you base a specific moral high ground based on the type of music you listen to, you barely go listen to music. Like you can think of the best artist again, Michael Jackson. I'm gonna bring up uh, Michael Jackson in a second here. Like many people believe Michael Jackson did things that some people say that it's been proven he didn't do it. Some people go ahead and opinion no matter what that he did that he was uh what he was allegedly supposed to be doing. I mean, heck, Kobe Bryant, one of the people we were speaking of, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, he literally have had scan. There was some scandal that he went through back in the day where he did something. I think, uh, or I remember what it was. I think he sexually assaulted somebody. I think it was like confirmed that he did it or he was charged with it. And that's a very like horrible thing. But at the end of the day, I don't, one, I don't know Kobe Bryant. I never did know him. And two, he did he did do a lot of good for people and just his individual self growing. And that's a whole nother conversation. If you feel people could change, that's neither here or there. But end of the day, these people are going to do things that you don't agree with. And people, they're going to do things that you do agree with. End of the day, you like their art. Now, if you're friends with an artist or if you know someone on a personal level, then it becomes different. You know them for who they are truly. But at the end of the day, we're listening to music because we like the sound and we like sometimes the message or in general but if we base it on like what we do like if we base it on if we gangbang or not clearly we're not gonna listen to tupac or we clearly not gonna listen to a whole genre of rap because of what they portray what they either portray that they did do or what they just talk about they did and they didn't do but i don't know it's a whole nother thing but in general i wanted to ask you earlier the question i was referring to is what is the impact music has on you and how important because i know we've spoken about and i don't know if Obviously, the people who are listening to this episode, I don't think we talked about this in the first episode, but you used to play an instrument, you used to be in marching oh, band, yes. and you're very, your music taste, I can also vouch for her, is really good. And what is the impact music has on you just in general, and what, where would you be without music? Uh, somewhere bored. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have music. Like, music is... Um, it's a safe space that I've learned that I have that a lot of people share. And I'm kind of glad that I have it because music is one of the things that connects groups of people that you never thought could connect had it not be for music or had it not be for artists mm-hmm. that combine different groups or cultures of people together to listen to them. Um, yes, I was in marching band. We talked about this a little on the first time I was here. Play clarinet from eighth grade to 12th grade. As far as band music, I actually really liked it. It gave me something else that I didn't think I could do. I wouldn't say I mastered it, but I got really good at it. And it gave it unlocked like another version of myself, like the athletic sports. Yes, because March of Band was a sport. I'll die on that hill. All you other people out there saying it's not a sport. Seemed like a button was pressed there, you know. It was. Okay, it the was. journalist in me got a deal. Like, you know what? That seemed a little personal. You know? It's because people in my high school is always like, Okay, you play an instrument, but I play football. What? We're doing the same thing. It's just you throw a ball and I blow air through a horn. I train just like you. I train as many days as you. I work out on the same field that you do at the same time. I run laps with you. We're athletes. We're athletes. If not, I'm using both sides of my brain because I'm marching and playing an instrument and remembering my notes. In the rain. All right, let's go there. Okay. Practicing in the rain used to kill me. Anyways, yes. Um, music means a lot to me and it's a very special part to me that I always say that marching band is really hard, but I love doing marching band. It was really fun. Um, like I said, it made me the athletic version of myself that I was like, Oh, I am pretty strong. I really can't do this. 
it was really fun. And as far as music, uh, as far as like artists and singers, music's very like strong in my family. My granddad sings, my aunts and granddad DJ. My mom, you know, grew up around really, really lots of bold musicians. So is my grandma. So music has been in my family for numbers of years that it, of course, didn't skip Janae and I. You know, we were immersed in this musical world of hearing my granddad sing karaoke every time we was at his house, trying to make us and the singers, even though it didn't really work. But he always would make us sing karaoke on his karaoke machine, listening to whatever my mama got on the radio. It was hard rap most times, and you just see her casually driving, and we like, we just been to this thing while you going to Myers. <laughs> hearing her listen to artists like Michael Jackson and being introduced to him and vividly remembering when he died and seeing his funeral on TV. Like, those memories like that that I always have in me that music gave me because I got to connect with phenomenal artists and I got to be exposed to all types of music, which I never take for granted because I am exposed to artists that I think all people, if not all black people, should know. Like, how are you just not going to know who the temptations are? Be real. Like, I am so glad that my mom really pushed, like, no, you going to know who these people are, okay? This is your culture. This is your history, your music history. You're not going to embarrass me out there in these streets if they ask you and you say, who is that? You know, watching movies like um, when the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie came out, my young self, I went to go see that movie with my mother and my sister. My sister was like, no, you're going to know who these people are in their story because this is a black group that you need to know. I'm like, Okay. The movie's like, I'm really watching this on the theater screens, but it was a good movie. Now I'm bumping in WA. Not like that, but I bump in occasionally if it comes through, I'm not going to skip it. You know, um, I watched almost all of the Michael Jackson documentaries and all of the Jackson 5 movies to get all that good history into me. Um, I watched Tupac documentaries and, you know, what is this one music documentary that I can't remember? And watch when you cut it off, I remember I'd be like, dang. I don't know what it is, but it's this one that my mom always watches that she made me watch for specific artists. Like, this is who I used to listen to. Like, listen to this. That's how I know Jodeci and, you know, people like that and New Edition and when they break away Bell Biv DeVoe and when Bobby Brown became his own uh, single star and people like Whitney Houston and things like that. It's how I was able to connect all of those people together to create like a black musical history in me that I now know and that I now listen to, even though most, some of them have been, you know, dead for over 10 years, they still randomly, not randomly, but they rotate in my playlist, especially Michael Jackson. I'll listen to at least five Michael Jackson songs a day. Like, I have to at this point. That's my guy. <laughs> Let's perfectly segue into Michael. I got two, inter two interesting questions that we've talked about many, many times off camera, but just to get it on recording. One, there's, we all know Michael Jackson is the king of, some call him the king of pop, some call him the king of R&B, but there are some people who, Puts another person up there next to him and would say that he's as good, if not better. And this individual is known as Prince. Or if you know him, the, the symbol. The, the, the <laughs> don't do him like that. No, I mean, hey, whether you call him Prince or the symbol, bro. I don't know. It. I, don't, I don't know. Nah, to be serious. Um, How do you feel about the Prince versus Michael Jackson debates? Uh. I feel like it was the tabloids and just media trying to put two great black artists against each other because they couldn't accept that two black people could be really, really good at their craft. It always had to be, well, who better? They're both good. Now, of course, if you ask me, I would pick Michael Jackson over Prince. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I feel like the two of them had two completely separate genres of music. Mm. That's not to say I will never listen to Prince. I love Prince. I love a lot of Prince songs, but if I had to pick... 
the flow that Michael Jackson had and the way that most of his songs was very vibrant and upbeat and the lyrics that he had. And, you know, when you put on a song, you're nodding your head and you're like, yeah, you know, this is a good song. I want that more versus listening to a Prince song. Now, some moods I will put on a Prince song. You know, when Doves Cry, that's my song, you know. Songs like Purple Rain, you how can you just not listen to Purple Rain, you know? But even in Purple Rain, it's almost as if he's just saying the lyrics, not singing it, which is kind of the tone that I get with Prince, you mm. know? That's kind of his musical style. That's how he delivers his music. Versus when you listen to Michael, it's all music. It's all singing vocals from the chest as he's singing, okay? Mm. All his ad-libs, every word he's singing. He barely speaks. He just sings, which I kind of like more in the music that I want to listen to, you know. But like, like I said, that's not to say I'll never listen to Prince. Like, I love the both of them. They're both really, really good artists. And I kind of hate now listening to how people just pin them against each other. Like, one's just terrible and the other one's gorgeous. Because they both have songs where they're like, oh, this isn't a favorite. But they then both have songs where it's like, this is the best thing in the world. I'm going to listen to this on repeat. So uh, I kind of just like, bro, I love both of them. I'd pick one over the other. But that's not to say I hate the other one. Definitely yeah. understandable. And with Michael Jackson, <laughs> he, <laughs> he is incredible. I was Part of me was low-key hoping one of us did a hee-hee. <laughs> and he is incredible. And I want to ask you, will there ever be another Michael Jackson? No. And if you well, with your answer being no, who do you think, if you had to pick an individual, who do you think is the closest to Michael Jackson we've gotten? <laughs> I love this question. Uh... Because it's come on y'all. It's Michael Jackson. Like That is his name. Like, bro, but that name holds weight. It like, definitely there does. is no other name that'll hold that that holds that much weight the way that he did. Like, y'all, even from Jackson Five up to uh when he became his adulthood and even till he died, his name holds power. It holds weight than when you say Michael Jackson, who don't know who that is. You know, people in other countries know who Michael Jackson is. They might not know who Beyonce is, but they know who Michael Jackson is. Like, the stuff that he did when he was alive, the music he made, the arenas he sold out in five minutes, the millions of dollars he made off of Thriller alone, which is still his best-selling album to this day. He's been dead for over 10 years. There, I couldn't see nobody stepping up to the plate like that because the standard has been broken. There is no standard. It's mm-hmm. like, bro, make... You either make millions or you don't. Like the level Michael Jackson has made is unbeatable. Like it's up here. Like if I see the day where somebody makes it even close to up there, I'm gonna be like, dang, you almost at MJ level. But I couldn't see nobody at MJ level because his level is just out of this world. Like he just broke musical records that haven't been broken before. And he's still the first to ever do some records. Like I said, Thriller is still one of the top selling albums to this day. And he's been dead for over a decade. Even in his grave, he's making money. You know, his estate is continuously to make money. People buy his albums, like literal albums and records for record players to this day. So I couldn't see nobody else going up to being to his level like that because what level is he at? 999? Like, what level is he at, bro? Mm. We couldn't even measure his level. At this point, it's unmeasurable. Definitely agree. And if I had to pick people, there is only there are only two actual singers. But there are four people where I can give, like, okay, as much... They, they're never going to touch Michael Jackson. But they kind of, in their own rights, they broke records. And the two singers would be, like, The Weeknd and Bruno Mars. And mm. obviously, because Bruno, at least in my opinion, Bruno don't miss. Like, Bruno, Bruno, Bruno got... Sure. 
a discography Real that go from years. And it's like, it's also funny to go from his music from saying, like, I catch a grenade from you to, uh, <laughs> like, he's smoking out the window. Just the, <laughs> the, the creativity and just the growth Bruno Mars had and the fact that he never gets old. Like, all of his music feels fresh. And then with The weekend, his voice, he's the closest voice I've heard to, like, the high-pitched but still keeping that tone of, like, singing and just hit after hit and being able to have that kind of, like, pull for lack of better words like the numbers that uh he and bruno mars put up but speaking of numbers the other two artists i can even think of that come close they're not even singers like i know drake when like when drake do something the whole like musical world is on it has attention on drake like he can still put up half a million uh first week sales and streams out of this world and then also eminem is also an artist who's put up ridiculous numbers like they've said like he's the most successful at least monetary wise most successful rapper ever and it's huge when you whenever's by your name and just even then like even each of those artists no matter the numbers you could compare to michael jackson it's just it's michael jackson like even with prince i don't even think prince or like elvis or like no matter you can go as big as you can like michael jackson was like that guy like some people would say that michael jackson has songs that are like don't hit that well there's actually i remember telling you uh you guys in the car because you already remember what i'm about to say but um there's a there's a reviewer and a YouTuber, his name by the name of Anthony Fantano. Shout out Anthony Fantano. And he said that his video was that Thriller, the album, isn't a 10 out of 10. And there was a specific song he picked. I forget the name of it, but it's the one where um it's him and somebody else talking about like a girl they like or something. The girl is mine. Yeah, I think it was that song where he said like that song was like kind of trash or like kind of weird. And again, yeah, I haven't listened to the album in full, so I I don't have an opinion on it personally. But just even with like you pretty much you got to reach to say like there's some that Michael Jackson didn't do well. Like even like Jada said from the Jackson five and then he had his, his own game like Michael Jackson experience on the Wii. Everybody know about Michael Jackson experience on the Wii. Game, so you, you, was, you was a cornball if you didn't. bro. Like there are memories in my own family. There's I have an uncle who passed away. Uh, I think it's been a few years now. But um, like there's a video like he was dan him and my dad were dancing to the Michael Jackson experience. And it's just the. The energy that Michael Jackson had and brought with him and in his music, you can feel it no matter what song you're listening to. And just in general, to answer my own question, I asked Jada, just music. I don't know. Obviously not counting God, but I don't know where I'd be without music just because when I'm waking up in the morning, most of the days, not every day, but most of the day, like I'm listening to music. I'm listening to music to get through my day or I'm listening to music to get me inspired about something or to just take my mind off of something I'm dealing with. And I also sing for people who don't know where I've sung in varsity choir and I do love to sing (laughs) and just having that energy around me especially when it's like gospel music and like uplifting just having music in my life and being able to listen to music has always just helped me move forward and it's always confusing me when people say like they don't listen to music like i've talked to people who say like they just don't listen to music at all and that has always shocked me to think about like what what drives you during the day if it's not like religion or music what drives you during the day and I mentioned singing to uh, kind of segue to one of the last things I want to ask you before I let you go. You mentioned people like Whitney Houston and Beyonce in general. And if we're judging it as a vocalist, in your personal opinion, who would you feel is the greatest singer of all time? And who do you, who would you feel is a singer that's overrated? The greatest singer of all time? Michael Jackson. As a vocalist? Absolutely. Interesting, interesting. Why do you feel that way? 
Because I feel like Michael Jackson, especially as a male, his range was impeccable. Mm. There were notes that, as a male, how are you hitting that? I'm a female, and I can't even hit butterflies? Please. I have to take that song low. I can't sing in his register. Oh, no. See, I was going to try. Fail. <laughs> fail immediately. See, that right there? Mm-mm. Like, I just feel like his music and the way that he sung and the way he really just got into his work was just inspiring. Like, it was impeccable. I, I haven't met... Well, I haven't, there's, of course, there's artists with, like, high work drives, but if you really watch, like, the Michael Jackson documentaries and read about his stories, he was one who took his music to heart, and you could tell that he did. Mm-hmm. So, vocally, I, I'm a, hey, I'm a die on that hill. Michael Jackson, vocalist, especially being a male and his range, if you listen, okay, Invincible is a perfect album for this discussion, because you have Butterflies where it's really high, but then you got 2,000 Watts where it's really low, and it's like, how could one man go from here to here? In the same album. The same <laughs> album. Three minutes apart. Same album. Two different songs. Like, what? And then it's the same way in all of his albums. He go really, really high. Do you hear a song? Is that Michael Jackson? Because when you hear him talk, it's really soft and light. And you know, it's like this. And then you get 2,000 watts. Where it's like really low. And you're like, who is this grown man talking to me right now? And it's him. <laughs> Then you get to butterflies. It's like, who is this woman? It's him. You know? Yeah, when I heard deep voice Michael Jackson for the first time, I'm like, y'all, why y'all playing with me? Like, that's, like, that's not Michael Jackson, bro. But it, you look, that's a Michael Jackson. <laughs> and then are there any singers who are, like, if I say the word overrated, is there anybody that comes to mind vote, like as a vocalist or just in general as a singer? Overrated? Mm, don't want to say this one. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to say one that people are killing. I don't even, I don't even got a pen on, but I've heard an artist who they say is overrated as a singer and as a dancer. But let that they go, crazy. they go kill me. But again, before I say it, and I'm gonna let her answer first. I don't have this opinion. Well, I kind of had this opinion, but I haven't listened to enough of their music to have an opinion on it fully. I want to see if we think of the same name. This, if we say if we think of the same name, this truly goes show how similar we are. Probably not, but overrated. Someone I find overrated is Beyonce. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said it first, bro. I'm glad you said it first, bro. Now listen. I- Bro, when I when I ask people this and when I even think of this, that's the answer I get. And again, I personally, me personally, have not listened to enough of her music to be like, okay, she's over it as a singer, and as a vocalist. I have, and it it just don't do it for me. Like Beyonce, it just doesn't give what the people said she would. Not gonna say that she can't sing because the woman can sing. But as far as, oh, Beyonce, it doesn't scream that. It screams, oh, she's a really good singer. Like the hype around her is just for her, like, like really, like okay, like yeah. And again, I know people who love Beyonce. That, you know, yeah. So and I know people who love Beyonce too. My Jasmine loves Beyonce. My sister loves Beyonce. I see it all the time. She's like, you just not a fan. I'm not. <laughs> my and it's like that girl, my mama, because as soon as she said it, I was like, you my mama for real? Because she was like, yeah, I don't understand the hype with Beyonce. I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. Like, my, I'm not saying she she sucks. Like, I'm not saying that. I've listened to plethora of Beyonce, listened to almost all of her songs. She's a really good artist and a really, really good singer. But the swarm y'all give her as just an artist? Swarm beehive. That's what I be saying. Get in the studio. (laughs) The swarm y'all give her, I don't see why. Mm. Honestly, I'd rather give it to somebody else but not her. Like a lot of veteran female singers have been in the game. Mary J. Blige, my girl. I can see y'all giving her that swarm because she been doing this. Her vocal range just deserved. Beyonce, though... Even her lyric game, like, it's all right. 
You know, some songs, you know, it, it could have liked no beat, you know, but it just don't do it for me. Like, I don't have any Beyonce in my music. Just Oh, you're going to continue to down this. Yeah, I thought you were going to stop. <laughs> Bro, I have examples to give, bro. But yeah, she's yeah. You said you got examples. Hold on, I can't let that slide. You said you had examples. What? What you mean by that? Not examples like specific songs, but just like I said, lyrics and stuff. I like, you know how people when you say artists, they can like immediately think of a song. I gotta think of Beyonce's song, but it's like, wait, is that her song or is that a song she did with somebody else? That's why I remember it. I see. I can't go that far only because single ladies like that. That was a bop, bro. Or was that was that Destiny Child or was that Beyonce? It's like, Beyonce. Okay, but so when yeah. When you say like, Beyonce, what do you say? Single ladies. What else? That's do you the first say thing that comes to me. Beyonce. Some people will say Lemonade, or is that the name of the album? Um, yeah. That what happened with Jay Z and her? Like some people, like for me personally, it would just stop at single ladies. But knowing like people who listen to Beyonce to be like, okay, Lemonade or yeah. single ladies. Well, her and Jay Z stuff really good, but then again, it takes her being with somebody else, like her and the Nicki, like her and Nicki Minaj the songs they did together. Really good. Her featuring somebody else, those would be like really, really good. Cause like, okay, both of y'all doing it together, but her by herself, it just doesn't do nothing for me. Mm, okay. Definitely understandable. And then I've heard that opinion in general. And then I haven't personally listened to enough of her discography. Maybe, but even what I what I have heard, like I can I definitely can see that opinion. But with that being said, one of the last things I want to talk about before we let you out of here, oh, yeah, which sure. which by the way, we are we were approaching two and a half hours. I, I, I think we might have broke our record for the last episode, but no, the last one was close to three, but so, you stopped it. I got it. Yeah, and that's true. We could have, because Janae was texting me earlier, like, dang, y'all still going? I'm like, listen, you know how we get down, bro. Like, you know you know what it is when we interview. <laughs> but um, one of the last things, I want to give you your props before we let you go. One, listen, let me just, I feel like when I watch, um, one of the podcasts I watch is Impulsive with Logan Paul, and it's not a not a very popular name, but he, he didn't improve, tr- trust me, even though he, he still be in. But he's improved, and... One of the things he does in his intro, especially we have guests, he say like the list of like things they accomplished. And if I literally do that for you, like podcast coordinator for All Shades of Chocolate, New York Times internship, correct? New York mentorship, mentorship, and then the internship you have with the um, environmental journalism program, like diversity rep for the state news, senior copy editor, senior copy editor, right? Yeah, like. The list can keep going, and I just want you to give yourself a pat on the back and talk about the things you have, and not to mention writer for the state news. You have a lot of stories that you've wrote out that you're planning on writing more very soon, actually. And I just want you to give yourself a pat on the back and talk about the things that you have coming up, the opportunities you have. Give a shout out to All Shades of Chocolate, like whoever you feel you should give a spotlight towards. And I'm asking you, don't be humble for these next. I have a long talk about. Don't be humble. Yeah, shout out All Shades of Chocolate. Um, I really love the uh, engagement we're getting from All Shades of Chocolate. I really like how well it's going over for people. And I really like how many people like reach out and be like, oh, I listened to this episode. It was great. Um, I really like what you said. Thank you for saying this. I feel like it's not talked about enough. So thank you guys. If you're listening to All Shades of Chocolate, please continue to listen. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, like Anthony said, I guess I can't be humble. Um <laughs> Yeah, with all my accomplishments, it's all they're all just leading to the biggest goal that I always say if you ask me, what do you want to do in journalism? I want to work for National Geographic. And I just don't want to work for them. I want to lead their staff at National Geographic. I want to work in their newsroom. I want to work with their photographers who see ph- photograph all the pretty animals. And you see the nice, beautifully written descriptions. I want to write for them. I want to travel with the photographer that works for them and see those 
see those beautiful sceneries that you couldn't see unless you worked for them. It's a dream of mine that I've wanted to do since I was like 11, watching the National Geographic Channel with my mom, because he's really into like nature documentaries and all that stuff. So we always used to watch those and I'm like, I'm gonna work for them, you know? So I'm doing all this to build up my experience so that I can work for them. And their station is in Washington. So if I do, that means I'll be moving there, but it's like, yes, I'm gonna finally work for my dream organization. And yeah, so in the meantime, I'm gonna have some stories coming out, you know, guys, tune into the statenews.com and search up my name. You'll see me and you'll see all the stories I've written. And yeah, I really like writing and I'm really glad that I have multiple opportunities to continue to write because it's all that I like to do. And I'm glad that I'm being able to write about my community to uplift the students that are here at MSU that feel sheltered or that feel looked down upon just because they don't look the same as the majority definitely great to hear and again she still was humble she didn't even go into all the aspects of bro, everything what you want me but to say, bro? listen just keep talking about yourself even though no, i'm not gonna mess with you that was great to talk about and just hearing that and being your friend like it's so cool being your friend just because well, seeing the you. things you can accomplish and seeing the things that you are accomplishing and you're gonna continue to accomplish is really cool and I checked the stats of our last episode. Our last episode didn't even reach two hours. It was an hour and 57 minutes. So we definitely broke our record for the last episode. And just I want to tell you one thank you just for giving me the time that you give me to talk about the things that we talk about. Like I tell all my guests now, like I always tell all my guests in this moment, it's about you. That's why the title of every interview I do is tell me what's on your mind. Because I want to ask you these questions and I want to pick your brain and just see what you're thinking about and why do the things that you believe in, why are you strong on those beliefs? Or what is what makes you you? What makes Jada Vassar Jada Vassar? So having these conversations, I always love them. And one more thing I could think of, and I'll ask you if you think of anything else, because we can, we can go for hours. Like we literally have had moments where we up to six in the morning just talking. Oh my gosh, I remember so. that. Janae was so mad at us. <laughs> And listen, we'll do it again, bro. Let let we go we go do it again once we get in the apartments, especially. Oh, like absolutely. if not before then. So just I'll ask you after this last thing if you have any more things to talk about. But anime. Anime is a big part of my life and Jada's life as well. And there's gonna be a convention that we plan on going to in July. Most people may already may know it. it's DreamCon hosted Dream by rdc world and one i've spoken about this to people in general i also was speaking to uh to imani about this uh earlier and the other day but the fact that i'm gonna experience something like that with you and janae like it means the world to me and like it's still i was telling my um parents about this that it just it still doesn't feel real yet because i can't imagine i can't compare this to anything because i've never done anything like this so i can't compare this and be like oh, yeah it's gonna be as exciting if not more exciting than this especially to my memory i've never been out of michigan and when people always hear that they'd be like what and i always tell them like yeah why you think i don't like Mich being in michigan because i don't have no memory of not being here and just whole nother reason that's a whole nother conversation but just one in general how are you feeling about dreamcon before we get there it's going to be uh late july and in general how'd you get into anime what does anime mean to you or do you have any favorite anime shows or movies you want to watch just talk about that after the dreamcon thing yeah so we're gonna be going to dreamcon and i'm super excited because um the youtubers that i watch rdc world and easy game with berlizzi and jojo and krista and pg and joe and rico and, and dante are all gonna be there and i'm super excited because i watched literally all of them all day like 
it's a few more YouTubers that I watch. And I know that I watch them a lot because my mom would come in my room and be like, can you please turn off the man that's screaming on your TV all night, Jada? That's all I hear. And it would probably be Berlizzi screaming at a, a horror game or Poise or Corey who's reading something sus. And he's like, hey, yo. Or Dashy screaming at uh, Super Mario Maker because he keeps dying. But I love all of those people and I watch them like all day. So the fact that I'm going to be able to meet some of them like in person, like I'm going to see Berlin's six foot tall self, taller than six foot and reach the giant self in person is literally going to be fantastic and i'm just gonna like like did like uh stevie janae anthony and i we all gonna get like the vip everything because if i go to something i'm getting decked out like i'm not gonna miss out on nothing i'm not gonna be the person that's like dang i should have just dropped the extra bread no we dropping everything just so we can have everything so we can leave and be like dang we cannot wait for 2024 like i want this to be a memorable experience because one i've never been to texas and i've never been to a dream con but i've been wanting to go since they had the 2021 dream con right after covid and i was like and just seeing like the little clips people gave i was like no where's the full videos but of course for you in like private panels you can't really record like that but I was like, wow, just to be in like the crowd, just hearing that info, they probably got like all the inside scoop of when some bros was made and all the like the videos that are about to be published and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, just to be in there, to hear like your like favorite creators on stage giving you tips and like, especially to see like where they came from, specifically more talking about like Berlizzi and Corey. Like I've been watching them since Corey like graduated from U of M. We still love you though, but okay. <laughs> And then Berlin, when he was living in his mom's garage, like, I've been watching them since then. And to see where they are now, Berlin, living in Texas, moving again into a bigger and better house, having the some bros, easy gang, like, name under him. It's just really, really, like, inspiring to see that, yeah, he came from just doing something he loved and it blew up. Same thing with me. I'm doing something I love and I'm seeing how it's blowing up to better my future just like they did. So it's just all really inspiring. Corey, come to the dream con man you keep teasing as you come into the dream con talking about something i never go to a convention or do i come come on just say you're gonna be the guest just say you're the guest bro but yeah it's gonna be amazing we're gonna have a blast we're gonna have a blast and in general just how'd you get into anime watching anime and does it have any impact to you as far as like watching gear or favorite characters i know we've talked about kuro sensei from assassination classroom <laughs> and just in That's general my guy bro in general when someone says if someone asks you what does anime mean to you what would be the answer i'm not gonna hold y'all i was an anime hater when i was younger that's breaking no, I didn't know that. That just hurt my phones a little <laughs> I was, bit. I was. When I was younger, I was like, why is y'all watching this? It's dumb. But it took Janae, again, my sister. She's into all of this, you know, creativeness. As you can see, I'm the more logical twin. She's the more creative. Look at these people uh, having magic on TV. Watch them. You know, and I'm like, that's dumb. Watch these people solve a math problem. That's logic. She's the more so that twin. So she got me into, you know, all of the anime and the anime she used to watch. She would make me watch them with her. I didn't have a choice. And I'd be like... It's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool. Then my boyfriend, huge anime fan, very huge, like Dragon Ball Z fan like that. And he like makes me sit there and listen to the videos he watches. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. But he's like, you're going to learn today. And all the like the little anime games he plays on his phone. Literally one is, one, I don't even know. What's the name of the game? What's the game? <laughs> uh, Dokkan Battle. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. That, he has <laughs> one game on his phone. And it's that game. And he plays that game religiously. One game. 
that takes up all his screen time. I'm like, what are you doing? Dang, I'm the same game. way, especially with my new phone, all in Dokkan Battle. Only game he over here. He only <laughs> plays that one game. And I mean, he plays it religiously, that one game. I'd be like, bro, can you get off the phone? I put the phone down. It's the game. I'm like, cancel the game. But yes, they definitely, and then now Anthony, being another huge anime fan, they definitely like keep broadening my horizon. I'm like, okay, anime kind of cool, kind of cool. You know, it's cool. Favorite anime? Takes the K, like he's my guy, Koro Sensei. Assassination Classroom. When I have to watch something, I can't, like, the animes that are more so, like, I guess, kind of like what I described, me logical and more like businessy, I don't really get interested in. But Koro Sensei and Assassination Classroom, you're telling me the first episode is this eight foot tall yellow octopus, and he's over here talking about some greeting students. You have to kill me, or I'm gonna blow up the world. What? And the kids are like, and they just give them guns, and they're like, this, like, that's interesting to me. And then the whole time they're shooting him and he's just teaching like geography or math. And he's like, you got to ace your studies, children, or you won't go into high school. And it's like, what? You're dodging bullets moving at Mach 20. And these and these kids are trying to assassinate you. And then you learn the story all the way up into the end. And it's like, oh, this is such a good show. And now, with, uh, and then, but even to say that I do love some really like, you know, sci-fi suspenseful animes. What was that? Erased? Now, I've heard a lot of good things Erased, about Erased. I first watched with Janae, and that was close to when it came out. And she was binging it. And I watched, like, the second to last episode. I was like, wait, this is really good. She was like, you need to watch it from the beginning. So I recently, like, really rewatched it, and it's very good. So that's a really good, like, suspenseful anime as far as, like, a suspenseful storyline with, like, an antagonist and, like, a hero and things like that. But then we get into the more, like, I guess, anime fighting culture style where Anthony introduced me to Jujutsu Kaisen with my boyfriend, Gojo. <laughs> now, that anime is really good. <laughs> I'm now, like, getting introduced to all the characters he talked about and likes, and now I'm putting, like, names to the faces, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is a really good anime. And I thank you for introducing it to me before the second season comes out. So now when it comes out, I'm more prepared, and I know who I'm talking about now. And it's like, oh, my God. But then to learn they go put my boyfriend in a box is crazy. <laughs> Just fall in love with him. It's crazy. Yeah, and I'm usually I'm not one who spoils animes, but like especially for like the character Gojo, like the fact that he's so strong. And again, we only on we only we're not even halfway through the show, so the fact that they show how powerful he is, and then like yeah, he's gonna get hit in the box. That's how like this is how overpowered overpowered he is. Like that, it just. Jujutsu guy is amazing. I was talking about again with Imani. She was saying her boyfriend is that's his favorite anime, and I was like, oh my god, Jujutsu guy is amazing. Like, I got a wallet, a bag. Like, I, like Jujutsu guy is really cool, and just like you were saying, like a character of like Koro Sensei, where he's just like an eight foot octopus saying like, oh, I'm gonna blow up the world if y'all don't kill me. Like the <laughs> fact that in Jujutsu Kai is you got many great characters, like especially Gojo's amazing. The main attack, I'm a fan of the main antagonist. I keep telling her she got to see Toto because she just like her boyfriend who likes tall, thick women who literally <laughs> says like, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is my type. He says in an anime out of all shows, but when you had out of all that. When you have a character who's a literal panda, a talking panda, and a character who can only talk in Japanese food ingredients, it's like, that is like, oh my God, that is amazing. Like, literally, Jado was asking me, like, when he speaks in these, because the character I'm referencing is Inumaki from Jujutsu Kaisen. And most of the time, he's more serious, like, bonito flakes, like, salmon. Like, he literally just how he sounds, and she asked me, like, what what happens when he's excited? And I don't know if you heard her in the background, he was just saying, tuna, 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 (laughs) and pointing. And it's just, these are the things that make anime incredible, and just Japanese culture. Again, I can go 
on about that for hours and i know you were like listing animes then you say you watch like attack on titan too like yeah. incredible i gotta yeah. get janae into I that one too getting into but. it like when i introduced it i want to make sure i watch like like the animes you should watch coming to me like attack on titan my hero academia death note oh, like, death note oh my god i definitely made sure to uh black butler i really like black butler i, I haven't black watched butler. that one yet. that's really good i watched that when i was a little younger i definitely watched those that are like the base that you should watch coming into the community. So I was like, okay, I'm not dumb. Like, I, I got this, bro. I'm surprised Attack on Titan was one of your first. Because that's a really long anime. And it's a lot to, like, grasp. Yeah, so. I, it, I definitely broke it up when I watched it. Because I was like... But yes, long anime, you couldn't pay me to watch One Piece. I wait for somebody to come out with an essay. You couldn't pay me. My boyfriend's watching One Piece. And he just got an update. He's on episode 683. That is crazy. And... I've tried to get into One Piece. And again, I give people... I used to be a One Piece hater. Like, that junk is garbage. I give people the benefit of doubt now that it's really good. Like, I've started, I started reading it because a thousand episodes... I don't know how people do it. And, like, what I've read so far, it's really good. Like, it's worth... I can see how people can get into this for, like, a thousand chapters or a thousand episodes. But one thousand... Like, let's not underestimate say. the amount of one thousand. And especially because binge watching for me is very hard. Because I can't, I can't stand still. I can't sit in those area for hours and hours watch the same thing for hours and not get distracted my mind just can't do it so i don't more power to people who can watch a thousand episodes or read a thousand chapters it is really good i do i'm no longer a hater but i i don't know when i'm ever get to it and there was a discussion on uh twitter saying like what anime like if you're recommending anime to somebody who hasn't watched anime before what would you recommend i would please 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 stay away from one piece even dragon ball z naruto etc etc because they're so long like the only reason i am a dragon ball z fan is because i've watched it since i've been growing up i'm nine, i'm about to be 20 i've been watching dragon ball z since i was nine eight yeah. so i can't suggest that to somebody and be like yeah just sit through all of these sagas all these episodes movies that's not even canon but they low-key cool and watch it in like a day or like a month or like a few months now some people can i've heard people um I met this guy during a uh, freshman year of winter break. He said he watched the entirety of One Piece twice during winter break. Like, I don't understand how... And, and winter break was two weeks. It was a nice little tower, two or three weeks. That's, that means you had to watch that every day for hours, sunrise to sundown. For you to do it twice? Or for... I think he said he watched it in its entirety once and then had to stop himself. That's what he said. He said he had to literally stop himself from finishing it a second time. I, my mind cannot comprehend more power to that person and again the anime like one piece is really good for what i've read dragon ball z i love dragon ball z with all of my heart naruto from what i've seen is really good i would not recommend this to somebody like my girlfriend like janae who was watched who hasn't gotten to those type of animes at least not the first anime because you gotta build towards watching yeah. a longevity of shows before you even get to the thousand like hundred like i've watched black clover's anime and that's like almost 200 episodes and it's like it's really good. I love Black Clover, but like two hundred episodes, like everybody, like that took me a while to finish. And like My Hero Academia, My Hero Academia is weird because, ironically enough, that was not kind of like Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Bakugan, etc., Yu Gi Oh. That was the first anime I watched that got me into watching anime consistently. And that was during a time where like my depression was hitting like a lot. So I just sat and watched My Hero Academia all the way through for like the first three or four seasons. But like even then, that's a lot of content to watch. Yeah. And then just especially reading anime too like you got to have time to sit down and put time and invest into these things and like when you're a full-time college student with one or two jobs it's not that easy 
Like you got to put something to the side to watch anime. And sometimes you just got to do that to have that relax from your mind. But other times you got th- things to do. So it's really hard. But anime in general, I've talked about it multiple times. I'll probably continue by talking about it multiple times on this podcast. I really love anime and it's been a huge part of my life. I've wrote essays about anime. I can go about this for hours. But speaking of hours, with that being said, we have now reached two and a half hours. We trying to approach you trying to approach Shay and uh, uh, Anna's episode of like yeah, three or well, they almost had four. So like we because no way you let them hit four and then you cut me off. I just feel like it's disrespect, it's racism, and it's disrespect. That I don't I don't even know how we got like we we recorded so much and I actually I ironically think our episodes got to do this too. We recorded so much to, to where I had to split it into two episodes and like that. I don't know how we pulled that off, but that conversation, I would always recommend that episode to like, if somebody were to view my podcast or like my interviewing skills, I would always recommend that episode first. And then like our episode and now our two episodes we have, like, I'm so proud of the interviews I've done, especially that one, four hours of content. And this is, again, you say like with our first episode, like I stopped you and I did because we was talking, or at least I thought hour and 50 minutes was a lot. But in that episode with Anna and Shay, like we stopped multiple times. Like they had to take phone calls, had to use the bathroom. We So like we could have legit had, I believe we could have got five hours or we could have at least got to the actual four. Like we stopped at like three thirty or like three forty around that. We could have got the four. We could get to four. If we really just like we sat the phone down and just recorded it. We could get to four. <laughs> but with that being said, do you have anything else to add that you can think of right now? Because, again, we probably go turn the camera off and keep talking anyway. Or like go to bed or something like our dreams would be like, remember this dream we just had? Hit record. Be like, boop, never go. Just boop. I feel like if you're really, if you like a beginner like I was, because I still don't even consider myself like an anime that just because I haven't just like been in it as long or just really haven't been like watching it as long. And I don't even watch anime frequently like that. Like as far as anime, I really like to watch one at a time. Like I've been watching Jujutsu Kaisen with you just because uh, sometimes anime is a lot and the storylines are really big. So you can't watch like this and then try to watch like Assassination Classroom or uh, black butler because then you'll get confused because it's like why are there two people yelling and what are they yelling about but very important subjects but they both have nothing to do with each other so yeah i definitely suggest if you pick one watch it all the way through that'll figure out what kind of anime you do and don't like and it'll help you find like the next one you want to watch and stuff like that because like i said i found that i like the anime that when you look at it it don't make sense but you figure out the storyline along the way versus it looks like it makes sense and then it's actually crazy <laughs> like that and i feel like janae likes the suspenseful anime because erased and things like that it's kind of the stuff she watches like all the time or she really used to especially during covid like the pandemic that's when she really used to watch like um anime really and that's when i was really like no that was my biggest hater era my bad dog i wasn't educated i take that one that's on me all right but as soon as my and funny story about how i got introduced to assassination classroom it was stevie because stevie had rewatched it and we went to bars and nobles and you know manga how you have the manga section in the store mm-hmm. we had went back there and the book fell and i was like why is it a smiley face on the book he was like oh that's koro sensei i said what the hell is a koro sensei <laughs> he was like that's koro sensei i was like that guy's huge and he looks like an octopus he was like yeah and he's also yellow I was like, what you mean? Because manga is in black and white. I was like, well, he's black. He was like, well, if you look at the anime, he's yellow. So he searched up the picture and he did this. He was like, this is Koro Sensei. I was like, who is that? 
he was like, that's the Sashnichi class from the anime. That's the main, one of the main characters. I was like, you've seen it? He was like, yeah, I've seen it. He, I was like, how can I watch it? He was like, you look it up on YouTube, I guess. So after that, me and Janae just binged Assassination Classroom with him on the phone asking him questions like, why does he do this? So how fast does he really go? That's where I learned the phrase Mach 20 and how huh. fast he moves and stuff. And ever since the first episode, I was just like hooked. And that, that is top tier anime right there, my favorite one. And I also feel like it's one people don't talk about a lot. Like the crazier animes, I guess. Or the animes where it's not more so just like fighting. Like I consider like Jujutsu Kaisen more so like fighting skills and battles and stuff like that. But I wouldn't really consider Assassination Classroom that. I consider Assassination Classroom like comedy. Like the comedy or animes. Because uh-huh. Koto Sensei was a nut bro. Like that dude was funny. And they didn't really focus on fighting unless they were fighting him. And most of the times that was funny because you couldn't fight him. He was too <laughs> strong and he was too fast. Versus Jujutsu Kaisen, you watch that to Jujutsu Sorcerer, the, like, the school is all about fighting. It's all about training and being the strongest you can to fight. The, what, what's they called? The uh, the monsters? The, uh, what, what's they doing? Is they just called monsters? Demons. Demons. Yep, yeah, they get demons. Mm, <laughs> demons. That one demon in the building that, that got sliced up by uh, uh, Sukuna. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy, man. But that's like, that's like the root of the show is battling. So I feel like especially anime culture, those shows kind of get the most rep because that's what people expect out of anime. Uh Versus when you go into anime that's funny, like Assassination Classroom, and it's still fighting, but it's more so emotional. It's more so this character got transformed to be this, and then you know they're going to die, but it's it's comedic relief along the way, basically. Yeah, and one of the best things about anime is that it's so multifaceted. Like, there's many different avenues you can get, and one of the main one of the best pieces of anime i've ever watched and i want to show you and janae is a movie called a silent voice i talk so high about this movie because one it's really sad like it's not like happy it's very it's a very deep story and it's very sad and i don't does it have happy it does kind of it has a as an ending it's not happy or sad and just an ending and it's really such a powerful movie because it tackles so many things and just we you can go from something like a silent voice to somebody who's talking about jennifer lawrence's they type it's just you can go many different avenues of anime and there was a time especially when i was younger i didn't know that other types of anime exist like especially growing up on dragon ball z pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. it's like okay it all is the action and fighting and monsters but when you can get into psychological anime like death note who even as a dragon ball z fan i don't i tend not to compare other animated dragon ball z because it's like i'm always gonna have a love for dragon ball z but the first half of death, death note i've said personally is the best piece of, of anime I've ever watched in my life. And and I say the first half because once a certain character dies, I'm not gonna spoil it. Once a certain character dies, that's that show ended for me. I don't know what they did after that. That that's a whole different show. Yes, I I, to this day I I refuse. I refuse to watch it. I know what happens, but no. You mean tell me but matter of fact, spoilers actually. You mean tell me they're gonna have they're gonna copy the death note. And and uh, Yagami has been this smart character throughout the whole show who defeated L, who L literally dies. And now it's just, oh, somebody copied the Death Note and that's how he died. Like, you're not serious. Like, the fact with L... They, I felt it was so perfect the first half with how L, especially with when L died, because you have the symbolism, especially the bi- the biblical symbolism of like L massaging like Light's feet, and then like L knowing that he was gonna get betrayed, and it kind of like gave like Jesus Christ vibes, like knowing that uh, was it Paul who uh like 
who betrayed Jesus or like say like he didn't know Jesus. It was I think it was Paul. Correct me if I'm wrong, whoever out there listening to this. But just having that symbolism of like El knowing he was going to die and he actually died. Like it was so perfect. And then you turn around and say, oh, somebody copied the Death Like <laughs> Irks me so bad. And then like Death Note and then Attack on Titan too. I'm someone who likes how a lot of people compare Attack on Titan to Game of Thrones, whereas it's fantastic until the end. I personally like the end of Attack on Titan because I know how it ends from the manga aspect and then the anime. I'm I'm very interested to see if they're going to take the anime in a different direction because so many people didn't like the ending in the manga. But for what they have so far, that's also been incredible. The fact that you can watch something in season one of Attack on Titan and you get to season four and some all the way from season one ties perfectly in. I love that. Like Dragon Ball Z is always going to have a special place in my heart. But when my mind can work and actually stay focused and something from season one, like it comes all the way back and they show you Easter egg that you saw, but you didn't click and see like, oh, that's going to come back later. That's always like definitely on Attack on Titan is always going to be my one and two when I compare to like best, but like greatest anime. You can show me a million types of death notes at Attack on Titan and just Dragon Ball Z is always going to have that special place in my heart. But with that being said. I really appreciate the time you gave me, Jada. I know we're almost, we at 242 right now. We still going. And again, listen, we, I can put the phone on. We just hit record. We just keep recording. We keep going, bro. But especially since I've been holding my PN for the past, like almost three hours. If you want to end, we can, but I will keep going because I, I, I love the game. I love the hustle, but no, it's all, it's always up to my guests and it's up to you. So do you have anything else you want to share? Um, I'm trying to think. As of right now, no, you know, I always need a question to be prompted to, like, talk more and stuff. But as of right now, off the top of my head, no, I can't. I can't think of that. Definitely understandable. Real quick, very random question, I guess I can add looking at your shirt. So, obviously, y'all can't see it, but she has on a, a four-leaf clover shirt, and it's St. Patty's Day that just passed this weekend. And I want to ask, how do you make time to do something other than schoolwork or work on college? And what is the importance of making sure you balance always doing work and always and making sure you have fun um i feel like it's really important to still balance because i'm not a robot so i can't be expected to like well a human can't be expected to just do solely one thing all the time it's not how our brain was programmed to work it's not how we operate so i and then especially for me i love like hanging with friends i love hanging with you know, people I consider friends. I love, like, going out to eat and just talking like this and, you know, just hanging out, playing games. Like, I'm a gamer. I love playing games with people and things like that. So, if I didn't do that, that's kind of what recharges me to do my schooling. And it's kind of given me something to look forward to. Like, this week I've just been, like, note-taking and studying for an exam. But I know I'm getting a chance to go home this weekend and see my niece and nephew. So, that's kind of, like, my social interaction that I'll balance to help me recharge for when I come back. Then I know when I'm back, it'll be a few more weeks to my birthday, so that'll be another recharge. Just looking for interactions like that to be like a break, so to speak. Even though if it's not a full break, even if it's just like a night to where I don't have to think about an assignment or anything and my mind's like on something else, like with friends or anything, then it definitely helps me recharge. Like the St. Patty's weekend, I just stayed with my friends and we played Mario Kart and was yelling about random stuff but it was funny because i got to be able to recharge and not think about what i had to do from on monday or what a teacher was expecting of me it was just fun to just be a college kid like really be a college kid like they say in the books like college parties and stuff like that it was just really fun to just be a college kid and not worry about the other side of being a cop not being a college student but being a college kid so yeah 
definitely important to make sure you get that balance because that's something i especially my (laughs) hello (laughs) somebody outside the door again that's something i low-key still but especially my first year struggle with is just having that balance because i'm not someone who parties or drinks or smokes and so it's very the alternative to schoolwork is very limited but i've been able to get more balanced versions of it and just having that balance the longer i've been a college student but even still it's a bit hard because again i'm not into doing all that type of stuff like my version of fun is different than even like jada like even when we have fun like this is more like talking in three hours about a podcast and then eventually if we still watch some of jujitsu kaisen tonight like that's my bit of recharge smaller versions of recharge but like going out it has to be a specific event or it has to be a specific people going. It's just, I know, I'm wishy-washy. I'm like low-key a homebody, but... Yeah, no, low-key, I definitely agree with you because even with the St. Patty's Week, it takes... It depends on who I'm with because I wouldn't consider myself like a party person. Like, oh, we're about to go to a frat or, oh, we're about to go to a sorority house or fraternity house. Like, I would never do that. You wouldn't catch me $5 never doing that. But I also don't feel like when I become, like, legal, I'll be a type of person like, oh, let's go to the bar. Like, I know I'll go, but it'll depend on, like, my mood, and it'll really be like, oh, if somebody's birthday, like, okay, I'll meet you there, things like that. Like, I definitely account, like, like I said, my kind of fun, like, playing video games. Like, that's my fun. Like drinking doesn't always drinking and smoking doesn't always have to be involved to have fun like people who solely need that to have fun you have a problem and we need to address the issue so you can get it fixed like you don't need those things to have fun and it always irks when people say that because it's like bro you're just boring if you need something else to have fun like we can have fun just sitting here talking and getting to know each other like we can have fun playing a card game or playing board games or stuff that you think might be childish it's really fun like the group of friends that I have, every time we hang out, it's not it's not necessarily drinks involved. Like we're nine times out of ten sober and we're just laughing like we're drunk. But that's just our energy, that's our vibe. When we around each other, we get silly and we get to cracking jokes about anything and everything and just riding around and doing something stupid but we're completely sober but it's like we're drunk because we're that silly and that's my vision of fun where you just have fun but you don't always need a substance to help you have fun you're just a boring person you're just boring <laughs> yeah. me personally i like to i hear that i'm pretty funny so hilarious when I, <laughs> so when i ain't with my friends it's always gonna be jokey jokes so we always gonna have fun and yeah, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself, which is ironic coming to Michigan State. When most people hear that, you'd be like, oh, party school, which, yes, it's, it's a party school. Didn't know that, by the way. It's, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't. Well, I knew my sister went here and graduated from her. She was like, yeah, it's a party school. I was like, oh, okay. She didn't lie. It's a party school here. Like, definitely party, 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 party. And it's really hard, like Anthony said, to separate yourself from party, party, because that's all everybody wants to do is just go to a party. Mm-hmm black white they just want to go to a party which is cool every once in a while but i'd be sad i'd be sleepy <laughs> i be want to lay down like For real I'm, you're not about to take me jay to get up it depends on who you are and i'll be like okay even now, i'm like i'm asleep good night you know like <laughs> i catch you tomorrow though. right i'll see you in class like i'm <laughs> going to bed <laughs> okay <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> all right before we get out of here shout out shout out something shout out your social media story that you're about to come up shout bro, out something not an influencer, bro. listen you about to be, you're gonna be famous and your name's gonna be known worldwide bro, so okay. you gotta give you a shout out bro shout out okay i'm gonna shout out my instagram follow me at well which one i'm shout out shout both. out both follow me at photo j 101 and then shout out personal shout right personal then follow me at jv productions business. underscore 11 which is my business this is where i post all of my 
journalism updates and my stories and I'm in the process of creating a portfolio and a website so that I can keep all of my stories in one place because I've been trying like trying to find them and stuff I'm like where are my stories because they're all in my like drive and stuff which is full of work so yeah follow me on there is where you'll get the most updates about me and yeah y'all see y'all on the flip side bro and with that being said I am really grateful for the people who tune in to my episode, especially with this new season and this being my first interview of the new season and just switching some things around my intro and just revealing my um, logo that Steven did. Shout out to him again for making the logo. I, at the time of this recording, I actually ironically have not posted about it yet, but eventually before when I get all my episodes, I want to post for the new season. I'm going to announce like, hey, he did my logo. Hey, this is blah, blah. But I want to shout out All Shades of Chocolate before I end this episode. We are two hosts of All Shades of Chocolate. That is the all-black podcast from the state news. And anyone who tunes into that as well as my own content, I really am grateful for it. And Jada and Shakira, shout out Shakira, really great host, really seasoned host, very good speakers. And they also have helped to give me the opportunity for working at the state news that i also make a podcast episode about this just my experience at the state news and my story of how i've gotten there and yeah to all the people that have listened this far especially because we almost reached in three hours again i really appreciate you you hear the claps from jada in the background and i'll see y'all later bye stay sweet y'all bye bye <laughs>